0: If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not so great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney, P-L-U-S, Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that Baby Yoda?
1: Baby Yoda says at a podcast.
0: At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends? If you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room. For more movie friends. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Welcome. 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 To the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sip Pop Writer Robert.
1: Aaron, you're offering me a cup and I don't want to drink what's in it.
0: <laughs> that's not bad. Okay. You, <laughs> Robert Robert warned me. He's like, I might say something that's like blasphemous. I thought like there was a couple lines that were just the, like, you, like I thought you were going to say you're not the Messiah. Like, cause, <laughs> no. <laughs> which like, yeah, I'm not. Good job.
1: <laughs> well, the context for that is literally Jesus yeah. not wanting to go to the cross. So it's like,
0: eh. yeah, out of context. It's fine. You know, whatever. Sure. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm an ordained minister. I can make that judgment. (laughs) If you're listening and you feel uncomfortable, like, uh, my bad. (laughs) We write for sip We do movie reviews. If you're feeling
1: uncomfortable, you probably don't want to listen to the rest of this (laughs) conversation.
0: Good point. Good point. Uh, (laughs) or at least, at least the main portion, you know, right, right. Uh, we are for SifPop.com. We do movie reviews, best ever challenges, and lots of other interesting movie-related articles. Uh, make sure to check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with all that. Uh, on the show today, we're going to talk about uh, coming attraction, um, two, two of them. we got Memory and the Survivor, Memory being a theatrical, Survivor being an HBO, coming out this week. Um, those are both worth uh, at least giving some some thoughts towards. Um and uh, we'll move on to the SIF topic, where we'll talk about a potential goat. Uh, we have Last Temptation of Christ this week, as voted upon in the user poll um, from a while ago. We're getting ready to start up another one of those. Um, um, so I think I think we'll we'll sit down, Robert and I, we'll sit down when we record next month's episode, and we will um, get that launched on Twitter. That way we can announce with the the june episode which will be the last of of the current run um so i think we'll get together and talk about those in a month and and announce them on twitter and all that um and then we'll move on to the sip topic oh yeah sip topic is that's the wrong line we'll explore the b-plot after that we'll um we'll talk about uh like faith-based movies which we will kind of like explain a little bit more like just sort of spirituality in general like they don't have to be necessarily like primarily about faith but i think faith or some sort of spirituality has to play a part in it. Um, which we'll certainly like feel free to explain ourselves as we're talking about it. I'm sure some of them will have a question mark next to them and I'll be like, What? Um mm-hmm. you'll definitely say what. Um and then uh we'll wrap up with a spin-off. Borat
1: subsequent movie film.
0: <laughs> no, Borat one. Um <laughs> we'll explore the we'll do the spin-off after that. So quick recommend a war one from each one of us. Wow, the intro was just all over the place. Uh that's okay. We'll be we'll be there a lot, I'm sure. But um Let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Robert, um, I wanted to know, um, it is a good, good week to be a movie fan. Um, There's three big movies out there that are kind of a lot of wide-ranging genres, um, I want to know, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, The Northman, and um, Everything Everywhere All at Once are all in theaters. If somebody has a chance to just get one movie in this weekend, which one are you going to say go see?
1: I thought you were going to say Morbius, Sonic, and uh, Fantastic Beasts 3. But I mean, you
0: can also throw those into the mix, but...
1: Those are I... my top three movies of the year so far. No, just kidding. I, <laughs> I
0: know Fantastic Beasts isn't.
1: Yeah, I didn't like that one. Um, you said Everywhere, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Northman, and uh, unbearable, unbearable Weight...
0: I mean, you could throw in Sonic if you really wanted. I don't know how you feel about Sonic.
1: <laughs> I, I still haven't seen Sonic. I'm falling behind. I've been trying to watch Nicolas Cage movies before I see Unbearable Weight, which I still haven't seen. So spoiler, that's not my pick.
0: Ooh, what's your favorite one you've seen before? Like, that's also so fun. Like,
1: uh, my favorite one that I hadn't seen before is uh, Bringing Out the Dead. Uh, I've never seen that one. So It's a Scorsese picture, a uh, spiritual Scorsese oh, picture. Oh, um,
0: well fitting.
1: It was great. Yeah, very fitting. Uh, I watched it just a couple nights ago and my mind was blown. But that is totally not even what you asked. Well, it was the mm-hmm. second thing you asked. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer to your first question would be Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I highly doubt will be overtaken as my number one movie of the year, what, seven months from now? Yeah. I don't know, eight months from now, whatever December is. Um, yeah, it's. I am a huge fan of Swiss Army Man, the Daniels' first movie, um, and I'm just as big, if not bigger, <laughs> a fan of... Everything over all at once, we'll have to see what time tells, but yeah, this movie's great. Action-packed, funny, also full of heart, full of earnest, genuine emotion, and yeah, I want to watch it 25 more times in the next week.
0: Me too. I'd, I'd also pick that one. Now, neither of us have seen Unbearable Way to Master Talent by the time we're recording this, but uh, that's the, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to love that movie, but I don't think it will come anywhere close to how much I love Everything Everywhere All at Once, so... Um, and, um, Robert and I recorded a, uh, bonus podcast on no Northman. So you can hear our thoughts. I mean, we haven't yet recorded it, but we'll have already been released by the time this is out. So So we're recording
1: this one first and Northman after, but Northman's coming out first.
0: Correct. Um, so, (laughs) so we'll be, so you can hear thoughts on that. Um, but like, you know, I'm sure you could, I really liked that one too. So, um, (laughs) you know, uh, Go back to that episode for more thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, so we're both saying everything ever all at once. Go. Don't look up anything about it. Just find a Showtime and go. And um, and just relax. You know, have a good uh Robert, I have one question before we move on. Something not movie-related. I thought, um, or I came across this question in general. I thought it was a good one. And um, a, what is a good team-building event that you've done? <laughs>
1: um. I feel like every team building event I've ever done has been very cringy. Mm-hmm. Um, here in college, my, my first, no, I went to a two-year college first and then transferred to a four-year college for my bachelor's degree. So my first year of my four-year college, my first year living in a dorm away from home, uh, everyone on our floor did like a little, very small, like afternoon long excursion and mm-hmm. um, just outside doing different trust exercises, you know, like pushing your hands against each other and not letting yourself fall and all this kind of stuff. Um, And yeah, it was just a little, it wasn't necessarily team building, so I don't know if it technically counts, but it was more just like getting everyone on the floor who you're going to live with for the next year, uh, getting everyone more familiar with each other. Uh, It was was a fun little experience as well as uh, helped me get to know some people that I wouldn't have gotten to know otherwise. Um, The RA was a lot of fun. Um and I actually kind of became friends with him for a bit. You know, it was one of those college friends who you're friends with there, and then I haven't really spoken to him since. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was it was fun. And uh He's
0: listening to this right now, like probably you jerk. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> I haven't spoken to him since, we'll put it that way. <laughs> um yeah, and my my friends who I'm still very good friends with, we still quote different things from that day that just happened and you know, tell stories of that. So that's probably the best team building one that I could think of. Cool.
0: Um, yeah, I wasn't even thinking along those lines, but I think you're right. I think those can be really good uh, team building exercises. Um, but, I mean, it, in a lot of ways, they're more like icebreakers, but in a sense, that is still team building, right?
1: Yeah, because we had like an icebreaker, you know, the first night of the semester, but this was like a couple weeks in, let's all get to know each other more. So it wasn't like, go around, what's your, where are you from? What's you, one unique thing about yourself? It was like actions of getting to know each other and, you know, yeah. Team building type stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, I wasn't thinking along those lines, but I'm going to use that for my example as well. Um, <laughs> nice. When I was a freshman, I, ca- I came into my dorm on my floor and they're like, hey, we do this thing where it's, we do like a, a photo scavenger hunt or just a scavenger hunt, mm. not necessarily photo, but you have to document it to prove. Like it's not like a post on Instagram or a post on whatever because they didn't really want half the things posted on Instagram. Um, and, uh, and then, so I did that as an undergrad and it was a really fun time is how I forged a lot of some of my freshman relationships and, uh, um, or some of my college relationships. Um, and, uh, and then I wound up like being the main person in charge of it, like my junior and senior year. Um, I definitely cleaned it up a bit. Um, and we cleaned it up uh, like progressively more each year just because, um, yeah, there's some of the things like, and they were like, obviously nobody's going to do them. Like it, it was, it wasn't anything along the lines there. It was just, it was just like, a, it, it, just gross because, mm. uh, because of
1: because you're stuff college guys.
0: Yeah, right. And I went to Bible college, so um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to look. Uh, my my Microsoft Word loads so slow on my computer. Here we go. I just open it in Preview. I'm trying to think of some of the things. So we had um. You had to, uh, lick gross things and then you get extra points for grossness between one and 10 points. Uh, you had to propose to a girl, uh, that would be 75 points. Um, but if she's already taken, then that's negative 50 points. Oh my. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so just look around for rings. And
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but even if she's like already taken, like just dating somebody. Oh, oh, oh okay. Um, you had to go Never. pre prepay 10 cents worth of gas. Um, you oh here's a fun one um we there was always a you have to go take somebody's mattress to st louis we were about like two hours away from st louis because in like middle of illinois mm-hmm. and um and so there was you have to take somebody's mattress and my senior year even though the freshman hadn't shown up to the event because we went and saw straight out of compton and then uh the showtime got a little bit out late and so we like we had to like hurry back and we were still like five minutes late and they're like we're not staying like and then like a couple of freshmen came later, and they're like, "Hey, like, can we still do that?" And it's like, "Yeah, here you go." And they're like, "Oh, take a mattress to St. Louis. Cool. Go get a mattress, put it in the put it in the, in the bed of the truck, and it drove. Got a picture of it with the arch. It's amazing. Um, nice. That's dedication right there. There was uh, um, so decorated. it wasn't
1: take someone's mattress and leave it in St. Louis. It's not- no, you had
0: to bring it back. <laughs> Although when they went to go load them up in the pickup trucks, so they weren't sure which one it was. Uh, like because they had two mattresses, they took them both. And they wound up taking one of them and then just, like, leaving it on the side of the room. <laughs> like, side of our parking lot. Um, <laughs> and they took the other one to St. Louis because otherwise the other one would have flown out. Um, and that's not good. Yeah, yeah. And they brought it back. Uh, there was Decorate One Tree on Campus with Christmas Lights. Um, there was uh, a Go Ding Dong Ditch. The, so our, our dorms had, um, like... an older family that would live with live in there in each dorm. They were dorm parents Mm -hmm. and um, uh, older and just meaning like a lot of times it was a graduate student and his wife. Um, uh, So they had that in each dorm. And so it was go ding dong ditch the girls dorm uh, dorm parents. Uh, And then that was 20 points. And then it was like 10 points to go back and apologize. (laughs) And then it was like 60 points. If you go back and apologize without actually ding dong ditching them in the first place, (laughs) just, (laughs) just go up and apologize. So there's create create a dating flyer for one of the upperclassmen. lots of lots of fun stuff there uh, oh we put right gullible on the ceiling um, oh. <laughs> it was 20 points.
1: actually do it and say yeah actually we'll do, do it
0: um, so yeah um, <laughs> lots of fun stuff like that um, good team building exercise you know a lot of people like got to know each other you know um yeah it was a good time i I had a fun time in you want to talk about some movies? No. <laughs> I mean, I could keep on listing more things. <laughs>
1: sure, yeah, let's talk about movies.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so <clears throat> Memory and the Survivor. We'll start with Memory because that's the bigger release. Uh, memory is the new Liam Neeson movie um, directed by Martin Campbell um, based off of uh, a foreign film. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It looks German. Um, <laughs> I-, I can pronounce Alzheimer. Um, that's one of the words. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that's a D, although it's probably day for all I know. Um, or it's probably neither of them. Uh, Liam Neeson, Monica Bellucci, Guy Pearce, uh, Ray Stevenson, uh, that's, that's kind of your, like, main people. Uh, Robert, memory, uh, your anticipation level, do you think, uh, nothing keeping you there except for your free will, uh, when would you try to see this opening weekend, wait for a matinee, wait so you can rent it at home, wait till it's on the streaming service you already pay for, or are you not interested in seeing memory?
1: Uh, probably streaming service because when was the last time there was a good, you know, Liam Neeson being action Liam Neeson movie. Um, so that's my main thing. It, if it is getting decent reviews, which I don't expect it will, then I'll turn it into a matinee. But otherwise it's like, maybe I'll catch it someday, but I'm not totally uninterested.
0: Yeah, I mean the last good Liam Neeson movie was, I mean, Widows. Um, but well, I he's mean, like Liam Neeson doing
1: animated. his action thing.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of like Nonstop um, for that's what it is.
1: Almost ten years old at this point.
0: Right. <laughs> I, I like
1: Nonstop also, but like that's that's my point is that it's all the way back then.
0: Right. Yeah, it was kind of one of those. That was kind of the last one because they even Nonstop was essentially yeah Liam Neeson doing the. His version of Die Hard, essentially, and uh, yeah, it's fine. It's 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 enjoyable, but yeah, there was I didn't want to watch a bunch more. Um, so,
1: you know, what, I'll admit the commuter is solid. Um, is it? Yeah, I I think it's you know like solid in the in the sense of nonstop taken type of solid.
0: Sure, where it's like not actually like great, but it's like all right, that's that's enjoyable.
1: Yeah, nice. But um, still, it's it's not too regular that one of these movies is anything. It, yeah, just, he's a cut and paste. Divorced Irish guy whose kids won't talk to him. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with you. Well, you said streaming. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go not interested. Um, okay. Just because it feels like if I want to watch this, I'll watch nonstop. Um, you know, I, I, and I know Taken's a big thing. I'm not a big fan of Taken. I would prefer mm-hmm. not to watch nonstop again before Taken. Um, just because it takes itself less seriously. Um, so, like, I I'm just not interested. Like the thing that might pull me in. More than Liam Neeson would be Martin Campbell directing this. Yeah, we this didn't movement. even
1: mention him. Yeah.
0: Uh, just because, like, he did, um, Casino Royale, which is my favorite 007, and he also did GoldenEye, which is one of the best, but one of the better 007s. Um, he did The Mask of Zorro, and, uh, um, it's the Edge of Darkness, that Mel Gibson one that I think nobody loved, but also nobody hated. Uh, from what I recall. <laughs> he also has uh, Green Lantern. Oh, no, 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 oh no. <laughs> yeah, I, was just, I just saw that. Um, but like, in general, like, yeah, he's he, when he hits, he hits hard. And then he does things like I don't think anybody liked the protege from last year. Um, definitely nobody liked Green Lantern. So it just it's just like if he's going to make a good movie, he makes a good movie. So otherwise right.
1: it's kind of forgettable. Yeah,
0: yeah. So like it's that's that's a piece to the puzzle that I'm like, maybe, but it's not enough to pull me out of not interested. It's
1: But Liam Neeson looks so old now. Like he's always the old guy doing action stuff, but like he actually is starting to really look old now. He looks and old
0: and Irish and divorced in this one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's like one thing to do like a past his prime movie like this, but it's another when he's starting to show all the wrinkles and like he's Hollywood magic. Can't make him look like he's 50 when he's actually 70 anymore.
0: He's, he's more closer. He, he's, he's farther from like Bob Odenkirk and nobody and closer to like Clint, Clint Eastwood and anything he's done the last 20 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way to put it.
0: <laughs> like you're not, not quite like he's not just past his prime anymore. Yeah. He is actively old uh, and more power to him. The fact that he can still make movies like this. Great. And I'm sure it's going to yeah. make money because it will um,
1: probably cost like 3 million to make, and it'll make 25 million. They'll wash their hands and do it again next year.
0: Probably. Um, and it, like, there's a, there's some other good cast members in here, but it's like, the, you know, like Monica Bellucci's is good. Um, Guy Pierce is like, maybe the like best actor. That's not in good movies. Um, like, I mean, he, <laughs> we talked about uh, LA confidential a while ago. He's great in that. Um, like Memento. I, I like Iron Man three. Yes. Memento is great. Uh, but he's just like, he's really good in Lawless, but Lawless itself is a fine movie. He's in a lot of these movies that are just like, oh, you're really good in this, like, pretty mediocre to bad movie. And that's just sad. And it lo- looks like this is going to be Prometheus, another one of those. Yeah. Other, yeah,
1: I'm and looking barely through. Prometheus. Yeah. And he's he's a Ridley Scott buried in makeup or prosthetics. or
0: Right. And he's in um, The Hurt Locker for like... Six I've minutes. still never
1: actually seen the Hurt Locker.
0: It's great. It just got a 4K release and it looks really good. I've um, been
1: wanting to get to it because it's the Best Picture winner. But
0: uh, oh yeah, that's right. It is. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. So he's he's. I really like him. Uh, he's definitely a a pull for me. It's just um, it's not enough because I don't know. Maybe if it had different power behind it. Um, I mean, Martin Campbell is, is like I said. I like that, but just the fact that it's a Liam Neeson starred old guy action movie that american remake of a foreign film those have not gone over well recently ambulance the guilty stuff like that so
1: ambulance is a remake
0: uh apparently did you see it no
1: i I almost i
0: kind of loved it like i want to see it because it's michael bay but i just like couldn't find the time to go to a theater to see it so i'll just it'll be on showtime or something in like a week and a half (laughs) (laughs) probably so, especially now that like I mean, Fantastic Beasts came afterwards, and that's actually not doing anything at the box office. But like now <laughs> that uh, now that um, <laughs> rightfully so, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> but there's there's also just with um, like Unbearable Weight and The Northman, and like lots of all these other things coming out. I mean, The Bad Guys is now like another like kid friendly Sonic. Movie. Sonic, yeah.
1: The Lost City is still going strong for some reason. Interesting.
0: Well, I'm, uh, Ambulance will be out soon, which means it'll go to showtime or something here soon and then and then i'll watch it because anyway um (laughs) like i want to so uh i don't have anything more to say about memory
1: no i just i like liam neeson like as a person and Mm -hmm. when his movies are good they're really good but he's just starred in so much just mediocre sure that he doesn't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt
0: yeah that's true yeah not anymore um Let's move on to The Survivor. This is a HBO original movie, um, so this will be available on HBO Max or if you don't have... Well, you have Max, even if you just pay for it. On the, um, you have access to it. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I don't know. It's confusing. I don't know. <laughs> who pays for it? Who pays for cable anymore? So, yeah. Uh, Barry Levinson directing. Peter Skarsgård, Billy Magnuson, Ben Foster, John Leguizamo, Danny DeVito. Um, who else am I missing, Robert?
1: Vicky creeps, creeps.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a face yeah. I know. I don't know where I know her from though.
1: Uh, she's in a lot of stuff. She shows. She kind of just shows up and is great. Uh, she was in old, old Phantom Thread. I haven't seen Phantom Thread. Bergman Island. A lot of people talked about that last year, but I didn't really get to see it. Uh, where's she from? Wherever she's from. Uh, Luxembourg. She, uh, yeah. Looks like she do, she's done a lot of movies from that. Yeah, but like uh, old, old She Just randomly shows up movies. sometimes and is always great.
0: Yep. All right. So, uh, so there's your like notable cast, all that, uh, Robert, I know you didn't get a chance to see a trailer for this one. Um, but regardless, what, uh, what do you think?
1: Uh, this, this is another one that's telling the line between streaming and not interested. Um, if I see some people that I typically agree with say that it's really good, then maybe I'll watch it. Otherwise just an HBO historical movie about a boxer just
0: doesn't really interest me.
1: And my time is valuable. <laughs>
0: so sure. uh i'll be just slightly higher than you i'll go streaming on this one I-, I love the concept behind this movie i forgot to give the synopsis uh post-world war ii harry haft is a boxer who fought fellow prisoners in concentration camps to survive haunted by memories of guilt he attempts to use high profile fights against boxing legends like rocky uh, marciano as a way to find his first love um i mean i really like billy magnuson um he's he's great in game night um, and he's pretty good in everything else. I've seen him in. Ben Foster is u- usually a pretty great role in whatever he's in. Um, I mean, Danny DeVito is just him. Um, Danny DeVito, yeah. yeah. Uh, John Leguizamo is always a pleasant sight. and Peter Skarsgård is... You know, he's no Alexander Skarsgård, but... He's Sarsgård. Oh.
1: He's I not... Just... Yeah. There's a couple Sarsgårds and many Skarsgårds.
0: Well, here we go. Incomp- <laughs> ignorant Aaron here. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Peter. Um,
1: I'm sure yeah. you're far from the first.
0: Either way, he's he's no Alexander Skarsgård, but, <laughs> but he's good. Yeah, he's um, good. Yeah, he's usually not the most memorable thing of a movie, but he's usually enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So uh, he was
1: really good in well, the Batman, but the Lost Daughter also. He was very good in Lost Daughter.
0: I'm happy you're here to see to talk about all the popular movies I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom Thread, Lost Daughter. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my, so my thing is, I really like... like There's some things that are going really well for this. The story I'm just a sucker for, mm-hmm. um, I think I think it just sounds great. My fear is just this is going to be one of those movies... Uh, apparently, uh, the runtime is only going to be two hours and nine minutes, but it feels like one of those movies is going to be a half an hour too long. Because mm. um, I did see the trailer, and kind of. I was half paying attention to it as I was getting stuff set up today. Um, it's just... It just, it just feels like one of those movie, one of those concepts that you're just like, yeah, it's probably going to be 20 to 30 minutes too long, but you know, a really good or like a solid movie with a, like a, a story for sure worth telling. But- so
1: is it a biopic or is it a story of a time in someone's life? Because that's always the, the hangup for me. If it's a biopic, then I am almost completely not interested. But if it's like a snapshot, then you might have me interested.
0: Um... So I think it's supposed to be more like snapshot um, okay. from what I from what I can tell. Obviously, there will be flashbacks to um, when he actually had to fight in concentration camps, but it feels like more so kind of like snapshot. Kind of like, did you ever see Cinderella Man?
1: No, I still haven't seen that.
0: I really like Cinderella Man, uh, but that one is kind of like a small couple year period in Jim Braddock's life that revolves around lose you know the great starting the Great Depression and then becoming a boxing champ. So yeah. like a couple years. So. Um. yeah, uh, so I, I, I get the feeling that it's kind of more so like a snapshot I don't particularly care whether it's snapshot or whole life, I mean if it's going to be whole life, it has to actually be worth telling the whole life Um. but but I like I thought straight out of Compton was great, and that, I, I, that's not whole life, that's whole run of NWA um, well right,
1: but it's I, not I like I like
0: Rocketman, but that's very non-traditional biopic,
1: well I'm thinking like Hacksaw Ridge, my least favorite part of Hacksaw Ridge is when you get Hugo Weaving being the bad dad in the beginning and it's like I just feel like there are other ways than because that's such a trite uh, used up way of doing this I, I'm, not, I, I'm not saying it's always bad it's just like unless it's a unless it's done really well it just kind of seems over overwrought to me
0: I think I could just name as many bad examples for both sides like Bohemian Rhapsody tries to be a snapshot and then it becomes whole life and neither of them work well. Yeah. Um, so like that's, that's, that's negative points for both sides. <laughs> but yeah, I just feel like I, I don't know that it necessarily matters in my taste. Um, mm-hmm. So as long as it's done well, yeah. Um, I don't, it's just, I'll, I'll check it out at some point. I'm sure, especially if the reviews are going to be good, but this, I'm not necessarily excited. And if I see a couple of reviews that are like, Hey, that wasn't that good. Then I'll be like, okay, bye. Like mm-hmm. that's it. I'm good. So, yeah, um, there's that. Do you have any other thoughts? Uh, not about
1: this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got it. Well, uh, let's uh, move on real quick. We'll start off with the, the Patreon shout-out. Um, so just uh, Patreon exists now, so you can go to sippop.com slash, or Patreon.com slash SifPopWR. Yeah, that's what it is. And um, three tiers, $5, $10, $20 a month, uh, and $5 gets you early access to the episodes. I try to get them Monday nights. Sometimes it's Tuesday mornings. Uh, I just want you to have it in advance um, episodes and like, as soon as we record the Northman, I'm going to get it up. Um, So uh, you won't have to wait until probably tomorrow. It'll be up. Um, Maybe, maybe also Wednesday. I don't know. Maybe it'll be side by side. I don't know. Um, I don't control that. Um, Cause I just, when it's the mini reviews, I'm just like, just get up when you can. And uh, um, you know, for the, uh, for the $10 tier, you get access to exclusive reviews. Um, This month is, Uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent um that'll be on patreon uh, review for that as soon as i see it and um the $20 tier is you get to pick something for me to watch or to check out and then i'll do that in some form of time um i'm a little behind but i'm i'm catching up this week that's my like main goal is uh is to do that uh but also at the $20 tier you get access to everything that other people pick so
1: to everything everywhere all at once
0: everything everywhere all at once yep uh, so there's your Patreon shoutout. Uh, you can you can join that. That'd be cool. I'm also like going to start doing as we're approaching blockbuster season. Uh, I'm going to start doing for the $10 a month and up tier small reviews for any new release that I see. Uh, it won't be a full episode like uh, like having a guest on and talking about things for 30 minutes to an hour. Um, it'll maybe be me saying stuff for five to ten minutes. So um, there's another. Um, reason why you should consider signing up now before all these blockbusters hit so uh, yeah there you go uh, that's one way people connect can connect with me Robert we're gonna we're gonna start inserting this here I think uh, real quick uh, where do you want to send people uh, to go check out other stuff that you have going on
1: uh, I just have started doing saying to go to my Twitter because if there's ever anything that I do that I want people to see or know about I'll tweet it out even that's with fair. our new uh, musk Overlord. So my Twitter is underscore Rob's thoughts.
0: <laughs> nice. Good. Go give Rob a follow over there and check out all the stuff he's promoting. Uh, let's finally get around to talking about Last Temptation of Christ for our SIF topic. Uh, this is a 1988 film. Uh, you can find it streaming on Hulu or Prime if you haven't yet. Um, you should really have seen this before you um, before you listen to this. Uh, that would be what I would suggest. Um, yeah. I think that's a typical rule of thumb. Uh, for, for the GOATS episodes, it's a pretty typical rule of thumb, because we will be spoiling anything and everything about the movie. Uh, the, the synopsis here is the life of Jesus Christ, his journey through life as he faced. That's so clunky. It's so clunky. Whoever wrote this is bad. Is that uh, from IMDb? Yeah. It's because it's always what I put. The life of Jesus Christ, his journey through life. So like, you already said life. <laughs> his journey as he faces the struggles all humans do. And his final temptation on the cross. Uh, This is Scorsese uh, based on a novel, uh, the screenplay by Paul Schrader. Schrader and Scorsese have teamed up a couple times. I think most notably like Taxi Driver. Uh Um, So, uh, yeah, this is one of the other team ups between these guys. Starring Willem Dafoe, uh, Harvey Keitel, Barbara Hershey, um, uh, a lot of other faces that you will recognize. Um, Some of them you can put names to, some of them you can't. Like David Bowie. Uh, like David Bowie. Um, well, I was going to say and David Bowie, but yeah. Um, yeah, there's, oh. a, there's a good amount of, like, a lot of really recognizable faces in here. Um, people that you're like, I don't know what I know I'm from, but I've definitely seen you before, so uh there's that let's talk a little bit about the history of uh the film itself before we get into our history this is a 7.5 on imdb which doesn't quite qualify for the top 250 of all time but it does have an 80 on metacritic and 81 percent on rotten tomatoes and a 3.8 on letterboxd um it also has a criterion release all these things lead me to believe that like that doesn't sound like the most outstanding but at least enough that it's worth talking about in this GOATS conversation. Um, Oscar, this was nominated for an Oscar for Best Director. Um, it didn't win, obviously. Oh, I didn't even know, realize that is the only Oscar it was nominated for. That's um, still pretty hefty. Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially considering just when you hear about the production about it. Oh, it yeah. Was, yeah. It was apparently like supposed to be made by... Uh, Paramount, I think, and they were going to invest like 15 million dollars to make it. They were going to go
1: up almost up to 20.
0: I just know it was supposed to be like a huge release, and then they got a lot of pushback from a lot of people that were like, "Eh, We don't want to fund this anymore. And then so they found somebody to fund it for like seven. So they were like real quick on the fly trying to do lots of things, very minimalistic set and stuff like that. So kudos to Scorsese for still squeezing the nomination out of there. That's Um, probably
1: why all the things you just said are probably a big (laughs) part of the reason why.
0: Probably. Uh, This uh, was nominated for a Grammy Award for the Best Album of Original Instrumental Background Score Written for a Motion Picture Television. That is way too wordy. Uh, This was uh, nominated for Two Golden Globes, Best Supporting Actress, uh, Barbara Hershey, and Best Original Score, Peter Gabriel. Um, uh, Oh, here we go. This this is the big award. MTV Movie Awards Mexico. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Best Miracle in a Movie. Willem Dafoe for The Wine at (laughs) Cana. Which that's, when you know that scene, that's so fitting that it wouldn't be an MTV movie. Award. <laughs> uh, National Border Review uh, Awards, uh, fifth place uh, in the top ten films that year. Um, not bad. Yeah. Venice International Film Festival, uh, it won the Film Critica Bastone Bianco Award. Um, not sure what exactly that means, but it sounds impressive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Pr- provocative. I hope going. I'm not offending anybody. <laughs> um, and this was runner up for best director LA film critics association awards. Um, and one award in here, uh, golden raspberry award. We're supporting actor Harvey Keitel. Ooh. That's doesn't, that doesn't like contribute. Uh, by the way, I hate the Razzies. Um, I'm not trying to promote them. I was just like, that's one of these things is not like the other. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about it, but I kind of like Harvey Keitel in the role. So uh, I certainly don't think he's like bad. So no, uh, I'm glad I'm not alone. Then
1: <laughs> someone's got to go to hell. I'm just trying to.
0: I was, I was thinking that as it was going. <laughs> I was so thinking that. <laughs> I just <laughs> context-wise, which is great because we just talked about national treasure at the start of this one. Oh, we did, say- right? Since he's the cop there and he's like, somebody's got to go to prison. He says that like two or three or four yeah. times, um, you know, and since he plays Judas, you know, somebody's got to go to hell. Like, good Paul Robert. Thank you. Um, <laughs> that should have been your opening line. Gotta <laughs> Someone's got to gotta go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, our history with, uh, with the movie, or if you would have none, then why you were excited to watch it. Can I just uh, say while, something so on
1: the topic good. of Harvey Keitel before we get into like serious discussion?
0: I mean, you can do that and then talk about your history with the film for sure. Okay,
1: okay. Uh, while we're while we're uh, a little bit light in our talks, um, I when I typically watch a movie, I'll go on to see what kind of jokes people are making on Letterboxd about it um, because that's the only place I can find topical stuff about the movies I'm watching. Uh-huh. Um, but for Last Temptation, I was looking for serious stuff because I wanted to see other people's perspectives, but mm-hmm. I still ran into some jokes on it. Uh, and my favorite one was... <laughs> oh, no, this is going to be bad. Harvey Keitel tell his Judas be like, Hey Jesus, I'm praying to you. Now kiss me square on the mouth, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I just appreciate the commitment to the bit of like, these are a bunch of Jewish New York guys playing playing Jesus' twelve disciples.
0: That's my theory on why they probably nominated you, because he's not trying any accent. He's he sounds like a Brooklyn guy, but I, there's there's something that I picked up on partly because IMDb Trivia, or at least IMDb Trivia confirmed what I was picking up on. Mm-hmm. That I think it works. So,
1: And um, Scorsese said in an interview I read that like the disciples all have a specific type of accent and speak a specific way, and the, the Romans all have British accents to make them feel other and refined. The Jews
0: are New York accents, yeah. and the Romans are British accents, yes.
1: Anyway, my history with this was I uh, grew up fairly sheltered. Um, we'll see what my parents think of that, that description. Uh, but I grew up fairly sheltered. Um, and once I found out that this movie even existed, I brought it up to my dad and he was like, yeah, you don't need to check that out. Cause my dad is a former pastor. His views have evolved a lot. Um, but he used to be fairly conservative, uh, Christian pastor. Um, I don't want to mischaracterize him <laughs> too badly. So I, I'll, I'll keep the discussions of him to a minimum. But when I brought it up to him, he's like, yeah, you don't want to watch that because all he knew of it was there's a controversy from 20 years ago. I don't want you to watch that, you know. Uh But after that, like I, I didn't know the significance of Martin Scorsese directing it, starring Harvey Keitel and Willem Dafoe at the time. It was just like, oh, look, there's a movie called Last Temptation of Christ. I never heard of. Why haven't I heard of that growing up in the church? Yada yada. And then it was, about two years ago that I was like, wait a sec, this is a Scorsese movie. And it was streaming, I think on Peacock at the time. So I watched it with ads because I was like, mm. I just, I have to see this. I love Scorsese. Willem Dafoe, obviously incredible. And yeah, it, the movie itself I think is very incredible. And uh, now, like I said, I think it was two years ago that I first saw it. I haven't seen it since. And I wanted to see how it would hold up on a rewatch for me because my personal feelings on, religion have evolved quite a lot uh specifically christianity have evolved quite a lot in the two years since i've seen it uh so i wanted to see yeah how how it would hold up um yeah so there's my history
0: i think um kind of on that note like i'm happy that i watched it now because i feel like i can understand and appreciate what's going on i don't think that you know me in you know before like getting Adult things like I have a mortgage and pay taxes now, and things like that. You know, I mean, I paid taxes while I was working, I didn't file taxes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I gave them to my dad and said, File these for me. And he's like, <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, but now that I have like uh, adult responsibilities and like have to think more critically about lots of things, um, I, I i don't know that, you know, and, I, and I've had ministry experience. I mean, I don't shy away from the fact, I don't bring it up unless it's relevant that I am a full time minister. This moment, I'm currently <laughs> transitioning jobs, actually, but um, <clears throat> I don't know what to yet. But <laughs> I'm transitioning out to something else for now. I was going to uh, ask if
1: you had anything yet.
0: No, no, I'm working on it. Um, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're uh, so like I, I do do that. I'm a, I'm an ordained minister. I have a master's degree in um, spiritual formation and a minor de- a bachelor's degree in uh, youth and family ministry. So. Uh, I I have a church background and I've spent lots of time, but I've noticed that just I progressed a lot in I grew a lot in what I believed at college. And I've grown just as much since college um, mm. because taking practices into the real world and having real perspectives and real situations and things and taking all that in the context of what scripture says has evolved a lot of my views. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think it just gets me to a point where I can really just be like, yeah, this is, and we'll definitely talk about it later, but like, this is Scorsese's expression told through this means, which is based off of a book and a screenplay that neither of which are his, but this is, this is kind of all their collective, like, I wonder, like, it, it almost kind of like alternate reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it feels kind of like when Kurt Tarantino does alternate history and you're like, okay, like it's not canon, but like, it's an interesting thought sure. experiment. So... Um, but they weren't going for canon. So, right. Uh, yeah.
1: So you're saying so that, you've gotten to a point where you can encounter it in a mature way that maybe you wouldn't have in the past.
0: Yeah. Is that fair? Um, yeah, exactly. That's, that's exactly the way to put it. And I, uh, I heard of the movie. It was kind of one of those that like you hear about it more as it evolves. Cause you see pictures of Willem Dafoe's Jesus. You're like, all right. Willem yeah. Dafoe plays Jesus in a movie. Lots of people play Jesus in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you, 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 turn that to oh it's directed by scorsese and it's like cool it's like oh this isn't actually like a passion of the christ kind of movie this is you know like if quentin tarantino did passion of the christ um actually (laughs) kind of but i kind of want to see that uh
1: you would see uh (laughs) the nails going into the feet in extended shots
0: yes (laughs) uh yeah for sure um so it was just one of those like you just kind of keep on finding out new things about the movie and it just it feels like oh like church controversy Hmm. yeah like i love like trying to figure out, like, is this people just being stubborn and stupid or is this people having legitimate reasoning and whatnot? And especially, like, this is the late 80s. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of things that have changed even just in church culture. And then there's also just, you know, larger bodies that would speak for all Christians that don't quite have the same poll that they do, you know, specifically Catholicism. Um, So it's like, you know, Catholics used to speak for everybody and that's just not kind of the way that it is anymore. Um, So, I mean, Catholics used to speak, at least culture used to think Catholicism in the post spoke for everything, but that's, it's not how church works. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think just, I mean, I was excited to watch this just for all the above reasons. So, Mm -hmm. um, you, you, you already mentioned (laughs) that you really liked the movie. Um, at least when you first watched it, but you said you were excited to see how it held up on a second time. Did it, did it hold up well for you or did you wind up not really liking it that much this time?
1: Um, well, I had it at five stars after the first time I saw it and, I moved it down just half a tick, so I'm still at four and a half. I still really like it a lot. Um, cool. It's just a different, definitely a different uh, perspective to encounter it. through.
0: Sure. Uh, on the like it, love it, hate it, just like it, think it's just okay scale, I'm gonna land on the low side of love it. Um, nice. I'm also gonna go with the four and a half stars on on Letterboxed, and uh, I don't know if that shocks you. Um, I was one. I was like, I don't know if you're just gonna like. One of those, like, well, like when you were talking up everything everywhere all at once, and then I posted that I really loved it. And you're like, I'm so happy because like, it could have gone either way. Uh, And I think this conversation will be better that we both really liked it. Um, So,
1: well, last temptation was one knowing you, I thought like, there's a really good chance that you're going to get, you're at least going to get something out of it, um, or it's going to make you think, um, because I know it's almost three hours long and some of it, there's a good portion of it that is fairly by the numbers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jesus movie you know it's like it's like not uh, anything unexpected that you would think based on the first part of the movie Um, so yeah I thought maybe that you would get bored or there's things here and there where you're like "Eh, it could have been better but I thought that you were at least going to come here with things to talk about whereas everything everywhere at once I know that (laughs) (laughs) things that can be like too out there for you um, and I didn't know if that was going to be that so to me they're two different types of planes but yeah. I'm very happy that you, uh, are so high on less temptation.
0: Yeah. Where do you want to start with this? Uh, let's, I'm... let's start with this. We already mentioned this. Okay. Uh, the, 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 film opens up, um, by, by, by having a couple of things on the, on the screen. One of them says this film is is not based mm. upon the gospels, but upon the fictional exploration of the eternal spiritual conflict. I watched this on my Criterion blu-ray, Blu- 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 by the way, I know that's not different across the board, but just, that's how I watched it. Um, I want to I want to start there because I think that's a really good place to start with because that sets the tone for how you watch the movie. Um, it should, yeah. And I don't know, like I know that there are things that don't align with, with 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 what Scripture says, and I know that there are things that are are specifically like against what Scripture says. Uh, that Jesus's attitude specifically towards lots of things, but by having the statement at the beginning, it allows me to get to myself in a place to where it says this is made by somebody. I mean, Scorsese is somebody that appreciates Christianity. This is made by somebody that appreciates Christianity. Um, He almost became a priest. Right. He almost. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know the background of Schrader or the author of the novel, but um, you know, but like this is made by somebody that has a, a, a loving view of, what scripture says and wants to take a fictional approach to explore some of the things to maybe gain new perspective, to maybe show different perspective, to maybe engage people in a way that they've never thought about things. There was a couple of things. I mean, right off the bat, like the first scene is Jesus building crosses for the Romans. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, like it's not mentioned in scripture. But it makes sense as a
1: carpenter. Yeah.
0: But he would, he would have been a carpenter. And it's like, and, and then the, and then the extra layer of like, he's doing the thing that, the Romans are doing to the thing to the people that follow him and that will eventually happen to him. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he winds up being chastised because they're like, you're building the crosses for the people and like nobody else will do it. And it's like, you're supposed to be the Messiah. Like, and it's like, that's that's a really interesting experiment. And for, for all of what the gospels say, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, very little about it is before Jesus starts his ministry, which is, Mm -hmm. Being baptized by John the Baptist, which we see here in the Sermon on the Mount, and then onward until his until his death and resurrection. But um but like there there's like one verse in Luke that just says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. And then it's like, right. now he's an adult. Alright, cool. So it's like there's nothing that we really know for frame of context context from when he's a baby to when he's a thirty year old man. So
1: Well, which this isn't really relevant to the movie, but which book has him the uh he gets lost when they're what is it, for Passover, and he goes, wouldn't you expect that I was uh, in my father's house as, a, as a, like a child, right?
0: Right. I think Luke. Okay. I think. Um, because
1: that Luke has the Christmas story, right? So does Matthew. Okay.
0: Luke has the, a more extensive version, yeah.
1: Maybe I should say, uh, before we start, because you mentioned that uh, you're a minister with uh, all the, uh, accolades isn't the right word, but all the qualifications that you listed um i haven't cracked open my bible in two three years uh but haven't gone to church in the same amount of time and i don't plan <laughs> plan to be going back or just start again but like i said i was raised in that environment um if you watch my youtube videos the that kind of mindset still means a lot to me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um the, that like the pure version of that mindset and not the politicized version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I,
0: I think based off of what I've seen in your YouTube videos, I don't think we're very far off on thoughts on things. Okay. I just still am active in the church. Right. Um, Cause I want to make the changes that I think you want to see happen. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, don't want to put things in your mouth or no, no, but, uh, but I, I agree with a lot of what you say in your stuff. So
1: I just don't particularly see my, my, my problem is like once I kind of, lost my grasp on believing the Bible, then it all just came crumbling down. Um, so that that's kind of where it all fell apart for me. But like I said, and like I said in my my Last Jedi video, I still appreciate like a lot of the teachings. And that's why mm-hmm. um, like the first note I have written down here is this, this Jesus, like the Defoe Jesus saying mm-hmm. the foundation of a person is their soul, where he has that argument, not an argument, but it has a back and forth with Judas where Judas is saying no it's the body first and Jesus is like no it's the soul. Um like I still very much believe that sort of idea. I like a lot of what uh Jesus has to say. Um so that's why it's still it's still very fascinating fascinating to me because like like I said at the time I was still holding on to something some part of my faith some part of the structure of it. Um and that's why I was like oh my goodness uh and I read the criterion I earlier like the the essay on the insert Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember exactly what they, how they put it, but it was something like you always think of Jesus as like an unreachable, unreachable icon. So like, Mm -hmm. I always thought of him like in the same way as Napoleon or George Washington, where it's like these monolithic figures of history where they're not a person as much as they are a fact in your history textbook, you know, or like a, an anecdote in your, in the documentary or whatever. And I didn't think of Jesus any, like, as anything different than that. I thought of what it says in the gospels the same way as you would hear like what Thomas Jefferson said in the declaration of independence or something like that. Um, So just to have Jesus humanized the way that he is in this movie, it was very meaningful to me uh, back when I first saw it, but now I appreciate it in a whole different way, which we can get into, but that's my long winded way of saying uh, I feel like that's an important context to have before we fully get into our conversation.
0: Yeah. And uh, I would totally agree with that. Um, Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, I've mentioned my accolades. <laughs> accolades isn't the right word. Um, I've mentioned my history with, uh, with, with doing specifically full-time ministry and stuff like that. I, I'm from a Protestant background. Um, not, I'm not Lutheran. I'm not Methodist. I'm not Baptist, anything like that, but all those fallen under Protestant, I'm under non-denominational, um, specifically restoration movement, which you can always look up on your own time on what that means. um, but essentially like there is no necessarily governing body that says you have to believe this. It's just, you know, as long as it doesn't go against core principles of faith and like, you know, it's, it's what we call non-essential. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of where that stuff goes. And so that's why like I, I allow myself to think in some ways and I don't think anything in here um, again, especially some of the things that kind of go against other things like is meant to, to, to challenge my beliefs, to make me think that anything in this movie would be canon over scripture, but like, it is a very interesting thing because you're right in a lot of ways. Like Jesus is meant to be. So again, my background, uh, Jesus is fully human and fully divine, both mm-hmm. He's hundred percent, both. Um, and, but we only really ever see the divine part. I mean, we, we can see glimpses of the human part because uh John 1135, Jesus wept. Like we can see like, oh, okay, well, God's don't cry. Uh, and we can see like him experience pain and anguish and sorrow and things like that. And things that like, Typically, you don't attribute to deities and things like that. So you can see him feel human emotions, but yeah, if uh, for a lot of the times it's like, especially when when you think about some of these things, it's it's like it, it, he's he's sometimes not that relatable, yeah, um, or at least at least not as a human, um, you know. Because you're right, you kind of put him in the ranks of like Napoleon and Washington and um, you know pe- people amongst like that status, people that would be in a Bill and Ted movie. Um, <laughs>
1: That'd be interesting, Bill and Ted. Uh,
0: so, uh, Bill and Ted, Last Temptation. Uh, <laughs> crossover. Uh, but no, I, I totally agree with your point. was just that um, this is the most like vulnerable I've ever seen uh, Jesus portrayed. Um, and it really did a good job of humanizing him. And I, I, I wouldn't call it... Like, I would... For people that believe in Christianity, I would say, like, you just have to go in understanding. Take that opening note at its word. But, like, I don't... I, I think this is... A, a, a potential doorway for a lot of people that have no religious context to maybe get to experience the side of Jesus that they never knew. And then realize, Oh, so these aren't all true, but at least this is still kind of trying to prove it. I, I really, I feel like this movie tries to take the deity aspect of Jesus entirely out of himself because it feels like a lot of times scriptures is, is very heavily weighted towards the divine part of himself. So, sure. So I so I feel like uh, I, I feel like this movie is trying to just we're gonna strip all that out and we're gonna just try to tell the other side of the story and you kind I kind of get that sense when he hears voices in his head it kind of feels like schizophrenia or split personality or something along those lines um, which and, is what there,
1: people some people consider the actual historical being to have been it's true
0: <laughs> so there's uh, so there is like some things. That I think, uh, like that, I think it does really well in that regard. That's the mm-hmm. things that I most loved about the movie. was just that, like, it really does a good job of kind of humanizing him, um, it, it, because it leaves out so much of the deity part um, and kind of runs a little bit too, uh, like, it runs a little bit rampant with the emotional part. Like, it obviously can't be considered canon or um, or truth or anything like that. I'm saying sure. canon like it's a comic book movie, uh, like well, Jesus yeah. is a comic book character. Uh, well, biblical yeah.
1: canon is a is a term, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, yeah, we we when we the Bible, the collected the collected Bible, the collected, books. collected books are are yeah we call them canon. So, but it just feels weird because we just talk about canon pretty much exclusively in comic book or movie yeah. franchise now. Star like, Wars. Terminator, like one and two, were canon to Dark Fate, but the rest of <laughs> it. Abby and I watched Terminator last night, so <laughs> that's why that. it's
1: on your mind. Yeah. Um, uh,
0: so, anyway, it's just I I really appreciated that element, so I pulled a lot of things from that uh, that just made me appreciate it a lot. So, yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting that you talk about that because I think there are, well, I don't just think, I know there are a lot of different ways that you can interpret this because Mm -hmm. I think you and I take a a very similar, if not the exact same interpretation from this movie. Um, Whereas I was reading a few reviews on Letterboxd past the making silly jokes about Judas. um, And I, I read a pretty extensive one from what seemed like a devout Christian who thought that Scorsese hates the figure of Jesus and left mm. and he left church left the church um and was quote unquote burned by it and now wants to make a hit piece on it saying Jesus is demon possessed and is evil um, which I disagree with that reading but I think there's merit to it because I was thinking about the movie as I was reading because I watched it last night read the read, read the letterbox review like an hour afterwards and I was like this kind of tracks with what I saw a little bit a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Um, then I came across an interview with Scorsese from 88 with a movie publication I don't remember the name of it at the time. I think it was a monthly magazine. He had a little profile, or no, it was a Q&A interview uh, in that, that month's issue of the, of the publication. And he says, the question was asked, is your version of Jesus God or is he deluded? And Scorsese says, quote, he's God, he's not deluded. So Scorsese, the director of the movie, still believes that Jesus is God. Whereas I watched this morning a little quick interview with Paul Schrader about the movie, and he says that Jesus was creating the idea of God instead of God creating the idea of Jesus being the Messiah instead. Mm. So the screenwriter and the director disagree, yet the movie still holds together. So my point is kind of like there are a lot of different readings and there are a lot of different ways to interpret it. And I think it's very interesting. And I am reaffirmed in... Our, our reading, I'll just keep mm-hmm. referring to it that way, since we seem to, like I said, seem to agree, mm-hmm. because the director himself says he's God. Um, he's He just has incredible doubts. He's doesn't think he's a messiah to begin the movie. He has to come across that. Um, like like we said, the the version of Jesus that you get in the Gospels, it kind of seems like he has all these parables just locked and loaded, ready to go. All these idioms locked and loaded, ready to go. But here, this Jesus says... I'm just going to start talking and whatever God wants me to say is going to come out.
0: Well, and even like says, he's like, all right, I could just keep talking, but I talk better in stories. So think about it like, yeah. This. yeah. You know, and it's like, and he's just kind of coming up with it off the cusp. And it's just like, yeah, like that's yeah. Interesting. That
1: seems very human. You know, it's yeah, just, it is. It It's how I talk to people. It's how, you know, my wife, the person I talk to the most, we try to talk about deeper ideas and we're like, it's like this, you know, that's, it makes sense that he would just do that and not, it's not like a pretentious thing. It's not, uh, it's not, he's trying to be a, a, I'm above you type of teacher. He's trying to communicate the ideas that he has in his head. And this is the best way he can do it. And what I even like another thing that I liked along those lines is he says, um, when they were going to stone Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene, he, he said he wanted to fight, but what came out of his mouth was love. <laughs> like he's very obviously divinely inspired to me. Like, if what he wanted to do didn't come out of his mouth, and what God supposedly wants him to do does come out of his mouth, then that kind of uh, preaches divine to me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's fascinating. I didn't, I didn't know any of what you were like referring to with the Scorsese and Schrader versions of things, but like,
1: yeah, I wanted to. I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper before we had the conversation.
0: Yeah, no, I but I. I love that. I mean, I was, I was thinking in my head, it was kind of like how uh, tying it back to a comic books again, but like <laughs> the Russo brothers and the people that wrote the script for Avengers Endgame disagree on how tra- time travel works. Mm. And like, nobody really thinks it's done well in that movie, but it doesn't make the movie fail because of it. You know, like if it fails, it fails for different reasons. It fails at all. But, um, but like, you know, it it, it, it fails. No, it's, it's interesting to just kind of see like, yeah, if you have you have three voices speaking into this movie: the novel, the script, and the director, and they're all kind of. I mean, because they're three different people, they have to be thinking differently as they're approaching it. But of course, the movie doesn't feel that way. Uh, but it does feel, but it does also, in the same way, feel like you could look into this movie completely differently, and I couldn't disagree with you, like because um, it's because it's I think it's meant to be interpreted a variety of ways. I just feel like with that statement at the beginning of the film. Um, it really it really just emphasizes like the fact that sp- specifically movies, really most forms of art are meant to be experienced the way the artist intended. And sometimes its intention is layered. and sometimes the intention is you could do this or that or that or that and you can experience lots of different things on the spectrum. Uh, but like Scorsese's clear with one intention here that we are telling a fictionalized version of the gospels. But not in an offensive way. I mean, he's not trying to be offensive, like (laughs) not like life, not like life of Brian. You know, not in a way that's like we're telling the story of Jesus if from some other guy's perspective is making that's um, that's being known as Jesus. Uh, Even
1: life of Brian, uh, it's a whole different topic. But they they're not trying to to uh, invalidate Jesus. They're trying to invalidate his followers.
0: (laughs) Right, right, Uh, yeah, and it's pretty accurate in a lot of things that happen yeah Yeah. uh so yeah no it's just one of those i i just feel like yeah you from for most forms of art you need to take the art at what the person intends even if that is multi multiple choice um but i feel like this statement here is just like a good reminder of that like you know i'm not i'm not trying to make the passion of the christ before the passion of christ comes out i'm not trying to make a sequel to the ten commandments of you know jesus instead of moses like it's like i'm trying to tell this story and it's like all right so you take it at that value and that's and then i roll with it so um and so it, it brought some really interesting um id ideas that i thought some all right so here's my big thing about the movie okay. um i was in the liked it camp mm-hmm. just in liked it and i was like i don't i don't know i'm like i'm not gonna be in loved it until specifically the little girl who portrays as an angel but is satan incarnate as we know later um, appears. And I was guessing that from the very beginning. Um, oh, really? I, don't, I don't think it's, I don't know that it's trying to hide it, but it just felt like I, I really doubt the way that this movie was going to end, especially in the hands of somebody like Scorsese is going to say, is going to divert that much from the gospels. Cause there are things that divert more so in attitude or in phraseology or things like that. Mm-hmm. But like ultimately like still there, there is some sort of semblance of these things happen. Um, and I, I really doubt he's gonna, he's gonna be like, yeah, so Jesus was never killed, which means he was never resurrected. Like, I really didn't think that was gonna be the end here. Um, so, so I was like, I wonder if, I do, I wasn't guessing Satan, I was guessing demon. Um sure. I, You know, and, it, and then it also just kind of tied in together because the movie is about the last temptation of Christ. So, the movie in, is entirely about that last act. Like th- yeah. it, it's just the rest of it is build up to get to yeah. that point. Um, but I, so then I was like, Oh, okay. Now I'm into it. It's kind of like when you watch power of the dog and then you're, and I'm just watching it. And I'm like, it, this is fine. It's okay. It's, it's well made. It's good. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying myself, but I'm not loving it. And then it gets to the end. You're like, Oh, I see what they're going for. Yeah, no, this is this is incredible. So, um, so it, it's kind of this this movie is kind of bookends. We've kind of mentioned that the gospels don't really have a lot of Jesus's life before he begins his ministry, mm-hmm. and this that's like 20, 30 minutes of this movie. I mean, there's the whole like Jesus going to the brothel to visit Mary Magdalene, um, like it, pretty much everything up until they're about to stone uh, Mary. Like, it's this, this pretty much like before. Then is we don't really have much of an account, so that's just kind that's of like we're leading yeah. up to this. And we're trying to show, you know, preliminary temptation of Jesus, and then we're talking, or that we're, that we're giving examples of of Jesus's humanity in these stories that we have, you know, had in this book that people have talked from for thousands of years, two thousand, um, well, a couple hundred, you know, <laughs> <laughs> semantics. Um, uh, so 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 getting there, and then and then just kind of this what what feels like an epilogue, but it isn't at all. Uh, because mm-hmm. it's 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 the core of the movie. It's the resolution. It's the climax and all that. And so it's, um, so it's it's the bookended stuff that is really what score says he's trying to go for. Specifically, the end book note. And so once it got there, I was like, I get what he's doing. And this is really interesting. And I think there is also an interpretation to be made that Jesus dies and rises from the dead three days later, according to to Christian belief. So. But there's, there's there's varying ideas on what happens in that three days. Like there are some people that are like, yeah, he just ceases to exist for three days. You know, that makes sense. So there's like, yo, he's dead. Or there's like, he goes to the heaven and he checks in with God. Hey, what's good? All right, <sighs> I'm sending you back. And th- there's there's even a a um, a um belief that lots of people hold that Jesus is in hell for three days. And then when he's resurrected, he's brought up from it because he, you know, he conquers hell. And, is that in you know, the like,
1: catechism where it says he I think descended so. into hell? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think so, and like I, I, think there's lots of different things, but we don't ultimately know, like, yeah. um, you know, unless you have something like the Catechism as canon to you. My movement does not because I'm Protestant, mm-hmm. uh, so like, there's lots of different things that you could do, and I, I I feel like this is that version. I feel like this is that Catechism version I, I, in a different way. This is this is this is the form of hell or the a, mani- a manifestation of hell, which is which is Satan tempting Jesus to let me show you your life. If you if you didn't believe you were the Messiah, or if you failed at being the Messiah, this is your life. And then by the end of it, you know he's like he's he's happy and he's like you know I have I have a family and for the first time in my life I'm happy. When he's talking to Paul, he's like so just like leave. you know. To, I feel like that's the that's an interpretation of what you could say those three days were. Um, and and then at the end of it, it goes back and Jesus it, it even in this book is like willing and ready. He's like I got to do that. Like it still has the same factual ending motivations are totally different which is i think the most the biggest problem that people can have with this because jesus is very not confident in anything going on and there's there's moments in scripture like with the garden of gethsemane before he is arrested where he's, he's you yeah, know, he praying he's like take there. this cup away from me i don't want to like i don't want to do it i don't want to do it nobody wants to be crucified so um so like there's you know so there is elements of that it's just that under a magnifying glass for this whole movie so I've talked for a while. I (laughs) can shut up for a bit.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, there's that whole second act where, like I said, it's just, if Scorsese made the, I don't want to say boring, but boring, you know, (laughs) just based on the gospels account of Jesus life, where he's like turning water into wine, raising Lazarus, except for the fact that he's a bit uncertain of everything that he's doing. Um, Well, and
0: he's a lot more, again human in those ways because, because with the way that it is with the wine, he's just like, go check again. And he's like, gives him a like a a nice clink cheers. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's not like a big deal and there's not like making a big scene about it, you know, or anything like this, just a lot more human way of dealing with something or responding to something.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think that's more what I got out of it this time. Uh, How much did you think of the green Knight while watching this? Uh,
0: Not much at all, actually, um, which is interesting. I was thinking more so along the lines of, yeah, just, Trying to figure out, I was thinking along the lines of Passion of the Christ because I thought, mm-hmm. based off of a lot of the stills for this movie, take place during the crucifixion, um, the, the passion narrative, not not necessarily like it's not advertised to be about Jesus' whole life necessarily. So, um, I was looking at comparisons of just you know, Passion of the Christ, some things they do differently. Like, I don't know if you scroll through the extras in the Criterion collection, but they talk about, um, Uh, Mary Magdalene's tattoos and kind Mm -hmm. of the inspiration for that. That was really interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, when I first saw The Green Knight last summer, do you remember that? Because you've you've only seen it once, right?
0: Yeah, I've only seen it in theaters.
1: Well, the ending is very similar to The Last Temptation. Because it was the same thing for me watching The Green Knight. I was like, all right, this is a bit, this is fine. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. And then I like some of the ideas. A lot of it is uh, very difficult to understand, difficult to grasp then all of a sudden it does the last temptation thing. And I, it did what you were just saying. It like recontextualized the whole thing is like, Holy crap. I love this now. And so to me, this time looking at it from a holy, like W H O L O Y, not h o l y (laughs) a holy non-Christian point of view. I took it more as someone like gaining control of their life, uh, doing what they knew they need to do, uh, uh, bringing in maturity to themselves. Uh, just that that sort of idea, because in the beginning, he doesn't really know why he's making crosses. He's just kind of doing it because that's what he needs to do. He's very lost and he's still lost, which is an inherently human part of nature or inherently human thing. <laughs> um, but then by the end, even though he is doing the take this cup for me, uh, doesn't want to do it, and knows that it's a difficult thing to do. He's still going through that because he knows it's the right thing to do. He knows what it's, what he has to do. um, And what he has to do is be the Messiah. And that's a very, (laughs) this time H-O-L-Y, that's a very holy uh, (laughs) goal to do. That's a very, you know, important thing that he has to do. But by the end, he's reassured in, in in his actions, he's convicted. He's, he uh, gives himself a path to follow. And that's, Very relatable to me. Just like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to be aimless. And he's very aimless at the beginning. And then he chooses something. He just finds conviction. And that's what really grabs me. And again, it's what grabbed me about the Green Knight. So that's why I compare the two in that way, especially with that ending.
0: I see exactly where you're coming from. And I I just didn't think about it. Oddly enough I've thought about The Green Knight a lot today because oh, yeah? of the North because of the oh, North yeah, yeah, yeah. because because The Northman is the movie that I wanted The Green Knight to be um, hmm. but it's not the movie that, that, that David, it's not the movie that David Lowry wanted to make right. um but I th- so I uh, so I've thought about The Green Knight a lot today and now that you're saying it like that makes total sense mm-hmm. um, like I I see exactly what you're saying The Green Knight is is a retelling of the last temptation of Christ via the story of Sir Gawain. Like, absolutely. Um, which isn't that your review for the green Knight, like your letterboxd one, the last temptation of Sir Gawain. I think so. Yeah. I finally understand it now. Cool. All right. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I totally, I totally see and understand that. I think I was just like, Oh, and, oh, and, and, uh, and similarly to, um, I, I think in a lot of ways, the reason why I didn't like The Green Knight is I was completely unfamiliar with the story of Sir Gawain. Mm. I feel like it's a companion piece to like knowing the story of Sir Gawain. And I didn't know. Like The Green Knight just doesn't work on its own to me. Sure, You really need to know the story. And I didn't know the story. Mm-hmm. So, Versus Last Temptation of Christ, same way, it kind of relies on you knowing the story to be able to spot the differences and to be able to see what they're trying You're to do. You're very familiar but, with it. <laughs> so yeah so very interesting comparisons um absolutely speaking of forced perspective we've talked entirely about uh pretty much pretty much entirely about jesus so far but this movie is 99 jesus the judas character this was also something really interesting to me because in typical biblical narratives judas is is, may turn out to be just an awful person because he winds up being the person that betrays jesus and and he's told he's gonna do it and he does it anyway and he does it for some money and then you know traditionally in um, he goes and uh, um, takes buys a plot of land and then hangs himself on the land so because he feels so guilty mm-hmm. but in this version this was a very different Judas I mean there, he's he's sent there initially by Saul to kill Jesus and then he's like oh let's see what you have to say first and then he decides to follow him which Judas is not the first disciple called it's Peter and Andrew um, and uh, and and then they They have that that part of the narrative. I mean, even like Passion of the Christ makes him out to be a bad guy because he's kind of a villain to the story. But in this one, he's kind of a good guy because he's saving – he's not killing Jesus in the beginning. But there's even that scene where – gosh, and I love this thinking too. I love just exploring like we've thought this – here's my biggest thing. Here's my biggest drive for like doing church stuff is like we've thought about these things this way for so long – that mm-hmm. we just kind of accept them. But yeah. what if they were never intended to be that way? Yeah. There's so many examples of that in the church. And this example would be a good one because, and I, I watched an interview with, um, or I, I watched an analysis on YouTube. I don't know the author's name of what last temptation means to them. And I thought it was really insightful and really good. Um, I'll, I'll have to find it Um here soon so i can let you guys know but i I, one of the things that is mentioned is like judas winds up being a protagonist in the story because there's that scene where where he's telling you he's like jesus is telling him you have to go tell the guards and he's like i don't want to do it he's like but you have to do it like and it's like he's fulfilling scripture so yes judas sells jesus out but he's fulfilling prophecy so Is is he doing the will of God, or is he betraying God, or is he doing both? And how does that work? Like, and this is not the first time this argument has ever come up, or this thought even crossed my head, but it's just like it's portrayed in such a great way in this movie. Uh, Because we typically see Judas as a one sided figure of, oh, this is the guy that eventually betrays Jesus, and it's like he's so much more complex than that in this in this movie. And I think I think Harvey Keitel does a really good job. don't understand the the Razzie nomination, but I don't understand any Razzie. No- I don't understand why the Razzies, Razzies exist. Especially, I don't credit them with anything because there is no qualifications to join. So, um,
1: other than it's just like hard for me to think. Like this is Harvey Keitel talking about these very Christian concepts that I've always heard talked about very elegantly from like pastors and Bible teachers and Bible professors and stuff. Uh that's the only jarring thing watching Harvey Keitel, But other than that, yeah, he's great.
0: And Well and again their score says he's kind of intentioning intentionally yeah. doing that. Like he's he's kind of intentionally trying to make Judas feel like part of a, a mob family. Is
1: okay, like I said, I haven't done, you know, much studying or research or anything like that uh in years. But weren't the disciples kind of like a band of misfits? Yeah. So like it fits right where it's like you see like if you go i'm uh one side of my family was catholic or is catholic so i've been to uh my fair share of mass services in the past so like you go in and you see the stained glass windows and you see Mm -hmm. all the disciples with the the halos over their head and all that kind of stuff like which is is fine for that tradition and all that i'm not trying to knock that i'm just it's just another way of humanizing these guys much the same way that it humanizes Jesus where it's like Judas just sure money was a part of it um and but it's a complicated decision there was complexities there's gray area just like everything else in real life so like if this if this if this passion story if this gospel story i know it's not technically gospel but if like if the story of Jesus is based off of real life as christians claim it is then wouldn't you expect it to be this complex and wouldn't you expect it to have um yeah gray and multiple sides and people questioning what they're doing and why they're doing it um
0: and this is one of the things too that in an interview i heard um at some point may it might have even been the same youtube video that i was talking about Mm -hmm. um by the way the the author is renegade cut
1: oh yeah he's great i've seen a lot of
0: his videos his last temptation one is great you should check it out um and i think in a lot of ways he's talking about the same things we're talking about Mm -hmm. um uh, and so but he uh, it, it's one of the videos that i watched says something about um like a, a contradiction in the bible and it's like I, look i i have a, or a contradiction in the gospels and i have problems with that because they're four different books written to four different audiences by four completely different people because like, at four different this, times <laughs> at four different times like they were a bunch of, they were a band of misfits and like you're right this 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 uh this movie really does a good job at humanizing them as well um and for the most part, the only one that actually gets any screen time is Judas. Um, Peter has a small thing, but just with the denying Jesus. But even that is a just kind of a throwaway, like, "Oh, we're just trying to put you like, almost an Easter egg. Almost an Easter egg, yeah. Because um, really, Judas is the only one that gets any time spent. I mean, Paul gets more screen time than most of the disciples, and Paul never met Jesus in yeah. person. So, um, which I guess in this movie he still doesn't. It's just what I'm going to go ahead and just call a fever dream. Uh, <laughs> sure.
1: A vision, yeah.
0: Um, so the, um, the, um, the, the, yeah, it, Peter and Andrew are fishermen. Um, Matthew's a tax collector. Luke's a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, so he, his specifically like writing style is very professional and he's like, you know, wordy. And that's why Luke is the longest of the gospels and Luke and the acts were actually written as one book. So really, really, really long book. I'm surprised uh, they could
1: read his handwriting when he wrote the book, but, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> My mother-in-law is a doctor and I've made jokes here and there and she doesn't appreciate it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I, I
1: don't mean to de- derail this. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no,
0: it's good. No, it's just but it's just like um you know it, it was one of those things that they say th- th- you are right humanizes them because like some of they were misfits because fishermen were sometimes illiterate and sometimes like uneducated people some depending on whatever background they grew up in and mm. where they're at and all that. And then there's like a doctor and then there's, you know, the half brother of Jesus. And oh, that's right. Just, and then, and then there's like Judas Iscariot and they're like, Oh yeah. And then the other Judas, that's like, that's all you hear about him. <laughs> yeah. The other Judas, it's just half the disciples don't get any time. The only story we have with Thomas is when he doubts that Jesus is back. That's it. That's what we mm-hmm. call him. Like at least in, in the canonical non-Catholic, uh, scripture so yeah it's just yeah it's just like half the disciples we we don't know anything about and then there's this really fun story that happens in in acts where after judas is no longer a disciple then they're like well we got to have somebody because we have to have 12 for some reason i don't know and they're like well we really like these two people and they're like all right well we're gonna draw a lot we're gonna cast lots and we're gonna pick which one of you is gonna be the next of the 12 and they pick one and then he's never mentioned again it's
1: like, <laughs> it's like we need to fill it out but it's not important
0: Right, right. So anyway, that was just a uh, side note. But it's, you, you're right; they're a band of misfits, and in a, in a lot of ways, it humanizes them. But yeah, it just doesn't spend time with much besides Judas. But I really appreciated just the, the different perspective on Judas. Um, and again, I, I wonder how much Judas actually struggled with with this. Like same with Peter. Like you know, Peter is told you're going to deny Jesus three times, and he's like, "Well, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. Uh, uh-uh, uh, not a chance." And then he does, and it's like, "Well." Mm-hmm. How, how much, I, know, I know Peter wrestles with that a lot afterwards. It's one of my favorite stories of the Bible, but um, you know, it's the thing I teach about the most since I'm a campus minister, I don't have to preach very often, especially since I'm a campus minister at a, and I'm not alone. Like, so I pretty much just recycle the same sermon. there, But, um, <laughs> Unoriginal. Uh, but, okay, fine. <laughs> uh, preaching is not really my gift. So, yeah. um, yeah. So the, uh, it, it's just, it's it's so interesting just to think about like Judas didn't write one of the gospels, so we'll never really know what he's thinking mm. and, and how much of gosh. And, and then there's also just like, if you want to go into like Catholicism says definitively that suicide is a sin and you will go to, and you go to hell for that because suicide is, is, is murder, which is a sin. And then you, in order to make it into heaven, you have to um, like be able to repent for your sins and you can't repent in the afterlife. So there's no way you could possibly, and it's like, that's their line. So it's like, but but he's doing the will of God. Like, (laughs) yeah, he's he's fulfilling a prophecy. So it's like, what is it? Anyway. uh, And there's, there's books written on this kind of stuff that is just mind blowing. So, yeah. Um, So uh, other things, uh, so the, some of the scenes at the camp early on, I really enjoyed. And I think it was just, I started writing down some of these things that I really appreciated. I didn't write a lot because I think I realized after the scene, at the camp at the beginning um, that I call it a camp. I don't know what it actually is, but um, like when he goes uh, to that
1: funeral service,
0: uh, I think it's before it's right after they stone Mary Magdalene. They try to stone her. I think okay. um, it's, he's having a conversation with, yeah, it's, oh yeah, it's where the funeral happens. That's right. Okay. Um, because the guy leads him there and he's like, that, that guy led me here last night. He's like, that guy was dead last night. Right. So um, Yeah. that That's the, that's the place I'm talking about. I don't know what to call it, but that, uh, looks like kind of like a camp like a yeah, it's, yeah yeah so uh so i started writing down things there and then i think i just realized oh that's what this movie is trying to do now we're gonna get these stories told with slightly different so i just stopped writing things mm-hmm. um but yeah he like you, we see this jesus that he's like you know my god is is fear um that's that's one of the things he says he, you know he's trying to say like i don't i don't really believe in this god like i'm, I'm scared that i'm gonna like disappoint this guy like so my my main concern is fear, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, how much of a, like, mental weight would that have put on Jesus? Like, who is fully human, which means he, man, could have been subject to all, so much. It's just, yeah, like, what, we don't hear about the mental ramifications for Jesus because he kind of doesn't confide in people, like, about his weaknesses or shortcomings, if, if you know, or his perceived weaknesses and shortcomings it should say um you know and then and then there's just that that nice moment kind of at the end of the scene where he says i you know like how do you feel about mankind he's like i pity mankind he's like isn't that enough like um yeah just thought those were two things that i that i wrote down and then the only other thing i wrote down this is my last note is just at the temple where he starts throwing out things like this isn't a market and then uh uh the disciples help and then too. the disciples help too yeah and then they say uh The the Pharisees the the chief guys ask uh, like is what about the law and he's like he's like I'm done with your law like I'm on this 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 and it's it's one of those weird things too where like because the screenplay is also trying to work in the like scripture like he kind of just walks back on his words (laughs) a little bit later Mm -hmm. but like this part he's he just says uh, God's not done with the old law he just thinks your heart can handle a little bit more and it's like that's a really great way to put that and then afterwards he says like I'm doing away with the old law it's like (laughs) Make up your mind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like with your, like, you know, anyway. So I just, I, it's like, what a, what a great way to phrase that. Like, you know, you, as society has grown, as people have grown, certainly we can tolerate a little bit more. So uh, yeah, that, that was the last note I had. I, I didn't really write down a lot because I figured probably a lot of it would just mostly revolve around the nature of the movie and then um, just talking about moments and feel like we could still talk for however long. That's
1: yeah, I, mean, I wanted to pick your brain reading. on two different things um mm-hmm. because i think last time we recorded i said i've been looking forward to having this conversation with you because you're someone who both understands movies and understands the whole christian theological background to all this um so what what did you think of jesus like being a sinner because you referenced that i want to <sighs> read it real quick you referenced that speech uh he goes i'm a liar a hypocrite i'm afraid of everything i never tell the truth uh ding Uh, I don't have the courage. When I see a woman, I blush and look away, but inside I have lust. For God, I smother the lust, and that satisfies my pride. But my pride destroys Magdalene. I never steal or fight or kill, not because I don't want to, but because I'm afraid. I want to rebel against everything, everybody against God, but I'm afraid. If you look inside me, you see fear. That's all. Fear is my mother, my father, my God.
0: Yeah, this this scene rubbed me wrong um, because scripture is very clear that Jesus lives without sin. Um, So I wonder if this is just... Again, because it's trying to humanize, it's trying to make him more relatable um, or it's just trying to bring out the human aspect. But I'm also wondering, like, we don't we don't really see him have we don't re- we don't see him lie and we don't see him. I mean, like lust after Mary, we see him like be with Mary, but like not like engage hmm. anyway, you know, in, in uh, on his own terms. Um, so like I think that there's I think that maybe it's just him like having a little bit of a freak out. Um, is the way that I interpreted it, just to be like him. Him just being like, well, every little thing could be wrong, and and but but we, we don't like we don't see him do any of the things. So I was just like I I, I was kind of confused by it. They're also
1: but- mostly like internal sins, so like lust and um pride and fear. Well, not not fear, but like lust and pride mainly. Right. Because like, <clears throat> doesn't that make him more human? Because like. <sighs> I don't know, to me it's it'd be one thing if Jesus like, from a Christian perspective, uh if I can, <laughs> uh it'd be one thing if Jesus stole regularly or was cheating people out of money or
0: mm-hmm.
1: murdered, you know, the big one, any anything like that. But like is pride is almost natural, right? Lust is almost natural.
0: So that's I that's know that again. those
1: are uh those are sins as they're mentioned in the Bible, but like I do better than someone on a, on a test. I haven't taken a test in years. But I do better than someone on a test and I feel prideful about it. You know what I
0: mean? Well, I think there's I think there's elements of like... So first of all, I think pride is is different than the way we normally think of pride. Like in terms of when we want to talk about sin versus just reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think there's also arguments that can be made... Um, just about like in general, like, sure, don't we all have yearnings for another person, um, especially in, in some sort of sexual regard. But if you're just thinking about something, is it is it still simple then Jesus himself in the scripture says? If you even look at it, or think of a of of a woman, he specify a married woman, yeah. um, then that's then you're you're creating sin in your heart, or you're 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 having adultery with her in your heart, yeah. and so it's like so, but so like Jesus Himself even like puts puts that down. So I I don't know, like I think there's first of all, I'm just, how about we just say that fundamentally, I think that has to be you know we're, this movie already deviates from scripture. That has to be one of the things that deviates. So sure. like, and that's the whole point of in christian theology there's a whole point of why the resurrection works is because jesus is a perfect sacrifice like that's a whole reason why his crucifixion and resurrection like absolves all of us from our sins is because he's the perfect sacrifice so i was also thinking about that as we got to the end of the movie i'm like he's definitely not lived a perfect life how how can he be the messiah and i don't know i i i fundamentally disagree with that idea sure I don't necessarily understand why it's in there. I'm sure there's a reason. Um, I I watched this movie this morning. I also feel like this is one that you asked me again a week later, and maybe I'll be like, I've been really thinking about this. Mm. Um, or two years from now. and
1: After a you know, couple more viewings.
0: Yeah, just things that I'll pick. But yeah, I, I think just chalk that up. I, I think I just chalk that up to Scorsese is not making a canonical. He's trying to humanize him and. I, again i mentioned earlier this is the most vulnerable i've ever seen jesus but we, like mm-hmm. we don't see him sin we just say we just see him say that he sins so right like, i don't i don't know how to it also gets how to, into how to accurately answer your question
1: no yeah i was i was just trying to see what you what you made of it as like i said as someone with knowledge in both film and theology because um that also gets into the ultimate contradiction for me at least or ultimate paradox where it's like uh and it transcends the movie too, so we don't have to get too deep into this, but mm-hmm. how can he be all God and all human if human nature, according to Christian tradition, is inherently sinful? And Because you mentioned the perfect sacrifice. So to me, like like I said, even two years ago, as someone who was still clinging on to the last legs of my Christian faith, uh, last threads, I don't know why I said legs. Anyway, uh, it, it still rang true to me because it just was like... <laughs> just like the meme he's just like me for real you know it's like
0: it's, look i have a i have a difficult time believing that jesus never thought about a woman sexually right like i i, I have a difficult time believing if he like, is did god a make human.
1: him asexual just to get that out of there
0: like i don't know and that's questions that i will never know and that's questions that i, I don't know that there is an answer to but yeah it just feels there's no good way to <laughs> there's no good way to answer that that's fair so um so who knows I, I just i have a hard time believing that some of those internal sins you were talking about there wasn't a struggle but i think it's, it's just more so like when 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 things are acted upon mm-hmm. then it becomes but then, but again jesus mm-hmm. kind of says if you even look at a, it's like <sighs> he says i'm a liar in there. Look, look my job one of the things that i've learned so much about just my my studies throughout scripture and then as a minister um is is it's just that, like, I think increasing more and more, like, my job is not to be a judge. My job is not to have the definitive end-all answers. My job is just to point people to what the answer is, and mm-hmm. we'll figure out the rest later. Like, <laughs> I don't have the answers. Jesus does. I hope you get to meet him, and then and then you can ask him, or he'll tell you. Like, that's my that's my job. My job isn't to try to be the end-all, be-all. That's how we get Pharisees. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So, like, so I guess that would be my answer is what qualifies this in? i don't know um i mean if it if, if it's in scripture you should try to and it's and it's referenced in a bad way you should probably try to avoid doing that but yeah <laughs>
1: um well that's why i do appreciate that you like for this movie's gospel you took that opening text as gospel for your you know as your guiding light yeah. for watching the movie because yeah. i i one time i watched a, a youtube video it was like atheist and christian watch Uh, Last Temptation of Christ and talk about it afterwards and the Christian was like what really holds me back is Jesus saying that he sins and it's just like well can you take it for what the movie is and trying to you know and that's what I appreciate that you're doing in this conversation is like
0: so so you're okay (laughs) so that person's okay with Jesus saying that he sins but then also when you see him straight up say he's not the Messiah you don't have a problem with that like
1: well I didn't get very far into that video because I realized they weren't or that person at least wasn't uh, taking the movie on good faith no, pun yeah, intended. I
0: would, have, I would not have made that. I would not have made it far either. I would have been like, this guy's so close minded.
1: yeah. and then um the the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, and I have one or two more smaller notes afterwards uh, is that is the the whole Paul interaction just makes no sense to me in terms okay. of the movie's overall message because Oof, yeah the, ultimately, it's trying to what I take from it is that it's trying to say the passion story is true and Jesus was God and the Scorsese quote hundred percent affirms it where he says he's God, you know? Um, and then the, the Paul interaction seems like it belongs in a completely different movie. It seems like it belongs in life of Brian where, uh, here I wrote that. I wanted to say, uh, it seems like a commentary on blind faith, you know, where it's like, it, it doesn't matter if Jesus Uh, existed or not whether he died and rose again or not Paul is still preaching that message so and and it's already affecting people and and changing the way people live their life so like why I, I, I in terms of like the movie's message like not in terms of like the macro ideas about Christianity like it just doesn't seem to jive with everything else the movie's saying
0: I have a problem with the blind faith aspect that you bring up there because um, Paul never meets Jesus and he's not present at the resurrection. Um, Paul encounters God. Well, I'm talking about
1: this version of Paul.
0: Well, so Paul encounters God on the road to Damascus and God speaks to him he blinds him for 3 days and he speaks to him and he tells oh, and he tells him about the resurrected Christ. Paul doesn't actually witness the, the the crucified or resurrected Christ. So Paul Paul's knowledge would have been what God revealed to him. Now, God revealed to him what is truth in in scriptures and that wouldn't have been truth in this Right. So it just so, opens so like, up a different so I have problem. A little for bit me. of right. So I know it's 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 something that doesn't quite add up completely either cuz I was thinking about that too. I'm like so are they trying to say that it happened, and this, and then this is just like Jesus as a normal person afterwards. Or are they trying to are they are they trying to say that like the message still spreads, or is this like a time jump in the future and Jesus encounters if it what what would have happened? Is this kind of one of those like Christmas Carol kind of situations mm-hmm. where you know here here's the the ghost of Christmas future. Um, I, I guess is more the way I took it. Goes goes to Christmas future. Like this is what could like look like, and Paul preaching about the resurrected Jesus, but is he's able exactly to and talk what would to have Paul. made Jesus mad. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's why I was like, it just again. I, I kind of see that whole thing as a fever dream. So
1: yeah, he says uh, they do this for Jesus for the Messiah, not for you, implying Jesus in that fever dream, as you put it, Jesus was never the Messiah. So maybe. Maybe that's what the temptation is. Jesus wanting to believe that there's a different Messiah and that someone else died and and rose again.
0: That's a, I mean, that would be, and that's what the the vision that he speaks of is. Is, Yeah. I mean, because, because this movie's interpret, you know, this movie's showing is trying to say that Jesus never really accepts being the Messiah until after he's had the fever dream. Sure. Um, Like that that's it's really all about him accepting that role. And so actually, I think um, that is it. I think that fits. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Uh, But yeah, so so there would be another. So it's wanting Jesus to believe that there is another resurrection. Jesus wanting to believe that. Yeah. But then but then him not being yeah, Jesus wanting to believe that there would be another, even though that's not what would happen. (laughs) Um, Right. But like,
1: that's it. Again, that's his temptation. That's the titular last temptation where he's like, I can get down. And even the the Satan uh, tells him you're not the Messiah, and he's like, I thought it was. He's like, No. So like maybe there was someone else. So
0: Brian was Brian. Yeah. Um, no, but the but it, and it were all also, individuals. It was also confusing to me just because in that same again like fever dream, like the next scene is uh, is Jesus like on his deathbed, deathbed. and Judas visits him, and he and he says like you know, he, he's eventually the person that convinces him to, to go back mm-hmm. and, and redo and change and overcome temptation. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he, he's, he says like, no resurrection, no salvation. And it's like, Paul just preached about resurrection. Like, so I, yeah, I don't, I think it's, I think, I think the way that you said it is, is the way uh, is, I think, I think you figured it out <laughs> as we were talking. <laughs> it,
1: yeah. It just for a minute seems to like be very jarring to the, yeah. the rest of the movie's message.
0: I mean, a lot of this movie is jarring because it's trying to well, sure. spend so much time on Jesus' life. And especially that fever dream. Like, I'm wondering, like, is I think you can interpret it either way and either one would be right. Is this Jesus experiencing the same amount of time that we do, except he's just filled in with all the, like, backstory stuff? Or are we to believe that Satan's temptation was to let Jesus live a full life afterwards and just be in there in a dimension outside of space and time?
1: That's kind of how, um, I, how I take it. It's just like- me too.
0: That's how I took he it. He has
1: a fever dream or a daydream about like, here's the next
0: yeah.
1: 40 years of my life or however long.
0: Yeah. It's just, yeah, it just feels like they're at a place outside of space and time. Again, kind of like a ghost yeah. of Christmas future yeah. kind of thing where it's just like, let me show you how good your life could be if you're, if you don't get crucified now. So mm-hmm.
1: um Yeah. Um uh Yeah. And what'd you,
0: what'd you think of the like last frame? Um, I, I, I was reading a little bit about this and it turns out that actually like the, it wasn't intentional as jesus dies on the cross and then the film just kind of like erodes
1: this is literally like, what it, i was about to bring up yeah
0: like it wasn't intentional like it, it the camera started breaking like the lighting system on the camera started breaking and so like it just it happened to be that and scorsese liked the way it fit like what what, what did you think
1: uh like like i've been saying from the perspective of like scorsese believes jesus is god you know Scorsese himself believes that and the movie the movie believes that as well um i think it fits perfectly like that's that's like a perfect divine intervention type of thing where it's like you know like god himself is like they're watching them film this movie and it's like all right this is the last shot you need and it's like hey i'm real just as jesus in the movie is saying hey i'm real i'm god i and i'm and i'm accept- I'm, a, I'm accepting that path for myself so i think it fits perfectly especially knowing the behind the scenes
0: the 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 film uh, the first thing on IMDb trivia addresses this and then it says it uh, it wasn't discovered until after the film was processed serendipity or divine intervention take your yeah. pick like i love the way that they phrase that um you know, i think i think also to add on to that it kind of perfectly kind of bookends this film to kind of just say like to, or to, to to do two things to, to number one distort what we have just seen and like remind you that you've just watched a film, like mm. it, you know it's this isn't you know, because you can like see film go just that doesn't have anything on it sure. and it just gets blank and all that. Like, so I, I think it does a good job of just kind of bookending to be like, and now we're done with our retelling. Get back to reality because that was a film. Um, like you know, it kind of score says he's bookend to that starting quote of saying like,
1: that's yeah, I like that too. Don't
0: take this seriously, but don't take it too seriously. Mm. So just that was kind of my thought. It was like it's interesting that it works out that way and. Like it, it, I thought, yeah, divine inter- inter- intervention or serendipity, whatever you want to say, but yeah, just really did a good job of, to me, just kind of being that closing bookend of like, yeah, all right, cool. Back to reality. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh,
1: Oh, the humanity. I also wanted to mention before we move on that the music is great. I think the music is really good. It sounds very 80s, which makes sense. But There
0: was... Yeah, there was things about it that felt off. But again, this whole movie is supposed to feel off. Yeah,
1: like, exactly.
0: I didn't like this the score at the very end of the film, um, just because like it's just loud and jarring. But like, it's, it's supposed to be loud and jarring, but it's bells. still loud and jarring. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't like it. But I thought specifically um, the, the music over there's kind of like a montage of a bunch of stuff that Jesus does. Cause mm-hmm. as soon as he like um, recruits Judas to follow him, yes, and then yes, it shows yes. him, it shows him like recruiting all the other ones in a montage until they get to the wedding at Cana. And like it just like, I thought the music was really good there. Um, it, it was kind of like upbeat and yeah, like 80s synthy pop. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, all right, I'm here for this.
1: And it was, <laughs> so, yeah, I like that the more disciples are joining, the him walking towards the camera it just felt like a nice disciples assemble. Like,
0: yeah. It felt like, um, you anchor band parodies this, but like we're yeah. where like Ron Burgundy is walking and then Brick comes up the and the joins him. Like, yeah. like, you know, like, cause it's the news. Your know, champ comes up and join like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. that.
1: And what guardians <laughs> of the galaxy also parodies where like, they're picking yeah. their nose or tripping or whatever. Like, yeah, but it does it completely yeah. earnestly here
0: for sure. Yeah. Uh, lastly,
1: Irvin Kirshner played Zebedee. Director of Empire yeah. Strikes Back. <laughs> I'm like, what?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what was just, again, there's a lot of faces or names that you're like, oh, that, yeah, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, for sure.
1: I just okay. wish there was more behind the scenes on the Criterion. Like, I wish yeah, I there wish, was a feature with Marty talking.
0: But... Well, I know there's a commentary. I don't know who's on it. but
1: uh... he, he is on it, but I wanted just, like, interviews with him. But yeah. there wasn't that. Well, he I, did a vlog and and during the... production, which I thought was, I watched that. It was a lot of fun.
0: I like the stills feature on it. Yeah, that was cool. um, I thought that was, that was insightful, but yeah, I, I was just kind of shocked as I, as I finished the movie, I was like, how do you not have like essays and documentaries, like talking about how, how
1: controversial you, it was and all that.
0: Right. How do you not have all of this stuff? Like this criterion, this is what you do. So yeah. I I, don't know, I still think the film looked really well and, Oh yeah, you know I, I think Criterion is the only way you can buy the film physically. Like I don't like that I know you can so buy too. it on Voodoo or whatever. So like if you like the movie, it's worth your investment. Um, all right, Robert. Uh, yes. Kind of two quick questions. Um, well, three questions because I think normally we do. Is this a goat and what does it rank? Oh, yes. I think first you got to answer the question. Like if are you recommending this and if so, who are you recommending it to? Like or or maybe even more speci- Maybe even speci- Like take the inverse of that. Like is there anybody you would say? don't check this out or Uh,
1: just like people under (laughs) 12 or something like that. But other than that, no, I think everyone should watch. Well, not, I don't think everyone should watch it, but I think uh, the right kind of person would enjoy it. Especially I would recommend it to all Christians. I would say that.
0: I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, a big recommend with a caveat for me, just because I think it's so worth your time and just, you got to go into it with the mindset, knowing what it is. Um, And, and also like, There is a lot of nudity in it, um, male and female, and like that's that's a big trigger point why a lot of people didn't like a lot of churches were condoning it or were condemning it, condemning it it back in back in the eighties. So like you know, anytime there's like a spiritually, you know, like if it's a spiritually based thing that also has like I mean, Passion of the Christ is rated R, but that's just because it's very, very, very violent because it's accurate. Um, But this is rated R for a different reason. Um, I mean, it is violent, but But not quite uh,
1: as passiony.
0: Right, and it is, uh, um, but it, it does, I would like also caveat that. But yeah, I, I would think for sure this is good. I would I would advise people don't do what I did. I just bought it at the Criterion sale because I was like, yeah, I really want to like it. I would I really want to watch this and it's Scorsese and his Jesus, you know. Mm. Um, I would just say rent it first or catch it on straight. Like see it before you decide to spend the money on a on the Criterion. Um, yeah, but. But if you like it and if you, and if you buy things and you like it, then spend the money. But like there's there's a good chance you could go into this and be like, I don't ever want to see that again. And I would totally understand that. So, I would say
1: uh, recommend it, especially to Christians, but watch it with an open mind. But that's what yeah. I'd say to every movie. Like I just like <laughs> watch the movie and take what it gives you, you know? Like don't
0: Yeah, I just feel like we had to kind of get that out there yeah. first, you know. Yeah. Um so is this a goat to you?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite Scorsese still. Um let me double check real quick. I just updated this list.
0: While you're doing that, I would also say this is a go. This is a worthy addition to the Criterion Collection, and kind of our thing that we've been talking about here has essentially just said like I am, uh, you know, we're we're assembling our own collection. Are you adding this? Yes, with more special features, please. <laughs> uh, it is worth it is worth being in the collection of the most influential and greatest films of all time. Um, it, this this I would not be close to my favorite movies of all time list. I, like I said, I gave it four and a half stars. It's not going on my top a hundred, um, but it, it, I think it landed. Um, and this was the follow up question. I think it landed at like eight um, on the movies that we've talked about so far. Uh, it was like just under Miracle Hold 34 street. So that might've been like, yeah. Oh, it's just, Nope. It was farther down 13, uh, just under network above gold. I
1: have it at three for both Scorsese and for uh, movies we've talked about here.
0: Yeah. No, I still had a couple before that. And and I do think, so here's here's another thing. Um, don't ask me how, but I went to bed at three in the morning today. Um, just just because like I was did playing video games and then I was like, I can go to bed now at 11 o'clock or I can play games. I was just like trying to figure something out and it was all in there. And I normally go to bed sometime between one and two and I'm like. I feel kind of tired, but I will feel. And then I played MLB the show 21. And then I was uh, three o'clock and I was like, okay, we'll go in bed. That's my problem with so, video
1: games is hours so go by w- in two minutes.
0: <laughs> I was, I was fighting to stay awake through specifically the middle part of this movie. Um, so, but by the time we got to the ending, I had fought through it enough that I was like, all right, cool. I fought through it. I'm awake now mm-hmm. for until three in the morning, the next day. So. Yep. So that that's, that's, I, I have a feeling I will appreciate it more when I can fully pay attention to it with all with sound consciousness in mind. But I still nice. really liked it right. being slightly sleep-impaired. So, yeah. uh, Okay, so on the next go to so next month, we'll talk about Come and See. It's still just the two That's of us who have a guest. So Come and See is, uh, is the film that was rated highest on Letterboxd and then Parasite came out and that became the number one highest rated film. And then Everything Everywhere, All at Once came out. And that is, I think, still the highest-rated movie on um, Letterboxd. Uh, yes, it is.
1: Um, As it should be.
0: <laughs> fair. Um, I mean, I gave it five out of five. So yeah, uh, of at least of narrative feature films, um, yes. "Come and See" is is number three. It was at number one before "Parasite" came out. Streaming on Criterion.
1: Channel. Wonderful. So, I'll make a. I'll make a new account and get a free trial.
0: All right. So come and see next month. Um, yeah, check it out. Uh, come and listen Criterion to Come Channel. and See. Come and listen to Come and See. There you go. Uh, Robert, uh, we got the B plot here right now. Um, we're kind of, I titled it BEC spiritual spirituality movies, So best ever talent spirituality movies, but we're kind of like, it doesn't necessarily have to be Christian. It doesn't necessarily even have to be like the main point. Like it, this isn't going to be, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to be passion of the Christ last temptation, whatever other like specific Jesus movies. Um, I think just as long as there is an inherent essence of spirituality embedded in the movie it would qualify. Um, spirituality has to be important. Um,
1: Which is why Borat is relevant. my number one.
0: Right. So um, so let's do t- traditional BEC style. Um, so we will go number five to number one with Trump rules. And then we'll give away all our honorable mentions. Um, and then I have a sp- very special thing at the end, which is just a bunch of movies that I would like to see that would probably qualify for this list that I just haven't seen. Uh, actually, maybe I'll just start with that. Okay. Now I'll save it. No. I'll save it to not ruin what my, what my top five might, might be. Coaster. My number one, my number five is um, the passion of the Christ. Um I just, think that there's there's such a level of detail here i mean yeah mel gibson's problematic and you know it's 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 just such a level of detail i mean with everybody speaking uh hebrew and aramaic like and and being entirely subtitled with being as graphic as it is with like graphic methods, it's just just great uh really 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 like this one um but yeah it's not for the faint of heart and it yeah that that would be a big warning so (laughs) um yeah that would be my number five
1: uh, my number five is Father Stew. No. Uh, <laughs> it's, that's the one with Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson in a faith-based movie. I refuse to watch it. Uh, my number five is Last Temptation of Christ, and I will just leave it at that because we just talked about just it talked. a lot.
0: Yeah, I had that in honorable mention. Uh, my number four is Hacksaw Ridge. Oh,
1: so. I forgot about that one. It wouldn't be on the you, list. You
0: mentioned it earlier. I thought it was because you... <laughs> no, uh,
1: it, that would make sense, but Nope. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, no, I just, I mean, we're both Andrew Garfield stands. Um, I, I really love, uh, let me get another Mel Gibson. Uh, but, um, I, I really, really, really love art from artists, art from artists. Uh, <laughs> I really love this film. I think Garfield great. Gives a great performance. I was actually pulling for him to win best actor that year. Um, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I just, I want it to happen I'm pulling for him to win this year too. And it didn't happen. Wanted it to happen. Uh, he'll get it one day. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's great in this role. I think it's a great story worth telling, and it just hits me on all the emotional beats, and it's just like everything about this movie works to me, even things that shouldn't. I mean, sure, you're right. There's probably a little bit too much that Hugo Weaving is a bad dad, um, but I think it kind of showed the trauma of World War One stuff. Yeah. Um, on when people were enlisting in World War II, uh, World War I veterans on their children enlisting in World War II. It also gives us the Pacific side of the war, which I'm always happy because it feels like 99% of stuff is the European front. Mm. Um, and I just, uh, like, like, the things that shouldn't work too, like Vince Vaughn is the general and you're like, all right, whatever. But then he's like, he's good. So um, I really like Hacksaw Rich. Uh,
1: yeah, good movie. My number four is Calvary. Brandon Gleason is my hero, and he's great in Calvary. And he plays a a priest who's told that he's going to be killed one week from that day. Uh, He's a priest in a small Irish town, and he goes and visits his parishioners and lives a normal week while has while having that uh, cloud hang over him over his head the whole time. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's a great movie about forgiveness and about what it means to truly care for other people.
0: And yeah, I love it. Yeah. This is one that I never heard of until I saw your video and I was like, I gotta watch this. Mm -hmm. And it's on my watch list still. So Um, my number three is Schindler's list. Okay. We've said a lot about it. Um, There's a lot that is, it's great. Um, Yeah. It deserves all the accolades that it has. And it's for sure the most important movie on the, on this list. I'm sure. But yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I didn't even think of it as spiritual, so I don't have it on my list. It's
0: you. interesting that I didn't either until I looked up an article that was like twenty-five of the best spiritual movies, and this was like number three. And I'm like, duh! Like,
1: <laughs> because why though? Like, because it's
0: it's it's not well. So it's, it's moral.
1: It's ethical.
0: I think it's it's because, it's, and so this is kind of the the like line. It's like it's not necessarily a spiritual movie. It's a factual movie about a people group mm-hmm. that is both heritage and spiritual but i think there's enough of the like liam neeson's struggling with what he believes in there sure um i think there's enough of that that i can that i can justify keeping it on this list because he's not necessarily a religious person but he's i think slowly especially by the end by the end um yeah questioning what he believes
1: uh well to talk about another liam neeson movie where he questions what he believes uh let's talk about silence which is yeah, my number buddy. three uh, and Andrew Garfield, you know, <laughs> and i driver and, and Adam driver there. The, uh, there was a trailer for his new show, Andrew Garfield's new show, which I can't remember the name of right now uh, under the banner yes. of heaven. And yeah. there, the tweet was Andrew Garfield has a crisis of faith in the new trailer. I was like, isn't that like every Andrew Garfield movie. And it's very true in silence, which uh, I still don't even have a full grasp on what it's saying, but it makes me think it makes me talk. And it is stuck with me for the, what, six years since it's come out? Yeah. Um, that is my favorite, Scorsese. I said Last Temptation is number three. Silence is number one. And uh, yeah, I think it's great.
0: Yeah, I uh, this was my first honorable mention. It was so close to being my five. It's great. I recently talked about it on Shane's YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. So go Wasteland Review on YouTube if you want to hear me talk about silence with Shane for an hour. Nice. My number two is, is Spotlight. Again, this is one of those, again, kind of not necessarily about somebody wrestling with spirituality although the ruffalo character does enough of that for the whole cast because and that's to me like the thing about that movie i love the most
1: mark Uh, ruffalo talks like this the whole movie
0: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i love i love uh everything about spotlight i think it's absolutely one of the best picture one of the best best picture winners that there has been in recent memory um but it's uh but yeah the the mark ruffalo's the more he's the more I disagree, but uh it's, <laughs> be- it's probably off. better than Coda. But I like Coda more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the uh, uh, like just the whole him wrestling with like he he's the one that wrestles most with. We're uncovering all this stuff, and how can we how can you still believe in not just the church but in God after all of this? Yes, yeah. I love I love he's a great performer in that as well.
1: Uh, another Brendan Gleeson movie is In Bruges, which is my number two.
0: Yeah, I really love this movie, but I just must not have seen it recently enough to kind of know. Like, I, I I know what the movie is about, and I know what it's going for. I just I miss the the like qualifier. but I'm sure it's there. I just well, it's a very it wasn't one that I initially thought about.
1: Uh, uh, Brendan Gleeson's character. I don't remember his name in the movie. Uh, but it's, it's Brendan the, Gleeson. Yeah,
0: his name is Brendan Gleeson's character.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, he's very like it seems. It just seems very allegorical to the life of Jesus to me um, mm-hmm. though. He definitely sins. I <laughs> will say that. Um, <laughs> and there, there are also sections where they're in a church talking about the blood of Jesus. Like they supposedly have the blood, dried blood of Jesus in the, in the church that they're in. Um, so there's enough spiritual talk and I think it's very allegorical. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess I didn't see the allegory, but I being kind to believe I love in Bruges. I'm not going to argue. It's just, I couldn't put it on my list. Um, it would have probably been number five. On uh, which leads us to number ones. I have Indiana Jones and the last crusade. I'm to leave it at yeah. that. It's my favorite. Look, you could, you can't include every Indiana Jones movie, but you can include the last crusade and Raiders of the lost Ark Cause they're both dealing with holy artifacts. And, um, and we initially had this as faith based movies, not spirituality and spirituality is maybe a little bit tougher of an argument, <laughs> but at least is, is like relevant to, to well, Harrison
1: Ford is my country. religion. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> interesting. Um, <laughs> I wonder what that looks like. You can email me <laughs> about it. <laughs> Maybe that should be our like writer question of the week. What is the Harrison Ford? <laughs> um, yeah, but Raiders has the the Ark of the Covenant, and Last Crusade has the Holy Grail. So, um,
1: oh, if the Holy Grail is a qualifier, then Monty Python's high up there for me.
0: <laughs> uh, which, yeah, it's, uh, that's one of the things too. That's like Holy Grail is not. Yeah, it's. I, I think of it more when I think of just like the um, the the knights that are protecting. There's the the penitent Man, which means he's all that. So, um, yeah, I mean, maybe a stretch when we changed it to spirituality, but he only kind of explained, like, some sort of religion or re- some sort of theology or just religion has to be important to the plot. So, yeah, or important to what the movie is trying to say or anything. Like that, so,
1: And the Lord did grin. Um, <laughs> my number one is uh, The Grey. Very spiritual movie uh really yeah when was the last time you saw the gray no no
0: no no. i i know the gray like i know it's a very nihilistic movie all that i was just like i was expecting seventh seal i was like how was the gray number one because i
1: haven't i've only seen seventh seal once and uh yeah all of these i've seen more than once at least
0: i really like the gray i'm with you
1: yeah the gray i recently rewatched it like in the last month or so and i moved it all the way up to my number six movie of all time
0: Which is weird because the IMDb rating is only like 6.2. I'm like, what?
1: I think, uh, I I did some research on it because I, I might be writing something about it. Um, I think a lot of the backlash or not loving it comes from how it was marketed as the type of Liam, Liam Neeson movie that we were talking about earlier (laughs) that we don't want to watch. Um, Mm -hmm. and it is very much not that it is very much. Well, and the
0: ending shot of the movie is in the trailer. So, uh,
1: it's a, it's a, harrowing, grueling movie about death and what it means and what it means to keep going. And, uh, I, I actually watched the director's commentary for this movie and the director.
0: Joe Carnahan.
1: Yes. Thank you. I forgot his name. Uh, he, he said that his wife actually pointed out afterwards after she saw the movie for the first time that you could take the movie as being each one of the guys in that group is like a part of Liam Neeson, like his character that dies as off as
0: each of them die part of him is dead until yeah. the end it's he has nothing
1: yeah and the last one that dies is the one that believes in god and he's kind of holding on to that idea till the very end until he uh curses well he doesn't he die curses faith well the not not liam neeson the other guy
0: the oh guy got who it, drowns got it, got, it. got it in the river yeah i was like no, he doesn't i mean he's like he doesn't die cuz he they start the wolf fight but then there's a post credit scene that shows he survives it.
1: Yeah. It it's unclear what happens to him but but like the the last part of him to die is his faith believing self where he says F faith" and then says "I'll do it myself" and then it's it's a very humanistic spiritual movie but uh
0: yeah and I guess that would I would have more considered it philosophy but no you're you're right there's enough. Yeah, and certainly if we're counting Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, it says um, it says
1: screw spirituality at the very end but up until that point, like they talk about it and all that. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, even as somebody that fundamentally disagrees (laughs) with the the message of the movie, I love the movie.
1: See where I am is where I kind of fundamentally agree with it now. So that's why like my recent rewatch, I was like, holy crap, this is kind of me, you know, and that's why (laughs) I moved up so high.
0: Um, all right. A couple honorable mentions. Um, I mean, I have a lot, uh, do we want to do like a back and forth?
1: I could just rattle mine off and not have to say anything about any of them because I have so many.
0: I mean, I won't say anything about them, but like we can just kind of go. Um, I'll kick us off with First Reformed.
1: Uh, we'll we'll probably overlap, but my top one is Seventh Seal.
0: Oh, I don't have these ordered, but okay. Uh, seventh Seal is on my watch list. Um, sure. Uh, two popes at Astro. Uh, that's also on my watch list. Uh, the Life of Brian.
1: That one's on there. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge, which we already talked about. Talked about.
0: Yeah. Uh, Fury. There's enough of uh, the Shia LaBeouf character.
1: I haven't seen it. It's one. been on my shelf for about three years.
0: <laughs> it's great. It's really good. And the Shia LaBeouf character is just... I mean,
1: yep. yeah, I have it. I'm go- gonna watch it. Um, Noah. I like Noah a lot.
0: I like it. Not enough to put it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dogma.
1: I have that one on my shelf as well. Uh, yet to watch it. I also like Exodus, Gods, and Kings a lot. I'm I'm the one. I'm the one who likes it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it. I wanted to see it when it come out. Uh, it's worth It's worth checking out.
1: I think so. I mean, Everyone else disagrees with me, but <laughs> I think it is okay.
0: Uh, Bruce Almighty.
1: Oh, good one. Bringing out the dead.
0: That's the Scorsese. Nicolas Cage Scorsese one. Yeah. Um, this one I saw this on a list, and I was just like, "Oh, that's really interesting." But I agree with it. Minari, uh, like, because there's that whole like the whole church, church part, which yeah. which which is my favorite part of the movie. So like their interactions with the church people and the church and down all that. So it's like, I wouldn't have considered it, but like. I think there's enough there.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, skipping over ones that we've said, uh, Kingdom of Heaven. I love that one.
0: I've only seen the director's cut and I was still yeah, kind of like, I, so. I think it's because the director's cut is just so talked up that I was just like, it's still way too long. Like,
1: <laughs> I, I like it a lot. Another Liam Neeson movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, Isa Tammy Faye. Ooh. Um, <laughs> a Serious Man. It's Jewish, but yeah, it's still spiritual.
0: Is that the David Lynch one? That's no. No, oh, it's a straight man.
1: No, it's uh, Cohen's. That's right. With, oh, shoot, right. what's his name? Michael Stuhlbarg.
0: Got it. Um, and
1: Simon Helberg also.
0: Yeah, this this is one that uh, there was some pushback uh, or there, it could be some pushback, but I have Sound of Metal here. Uh, I think that movie is just as much about See, Riz Ahmed's character finding faith as it is about him going deaf.
1: That's more spiritual than it is faith-based. Yes. So, I yes. it fits this list better than our previous PC.
0: Right. Uh, well, and, yeah, the BEC. Like, I, I tried to argue for it for when we did Best Ever Judeo Christian Movies with Ida Tammy Faye coming out, but it's not a Judeo Christian, but it is spiritual. about exploring spirituality. Yeah. It's all about the kingdom of heaven by the end. Mass. How did I forget that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Again. I guess it's just because, like, it is a spiritual movie, but, like, I, I view it more as.
1: It's more about people, like, but it takes place in right. the church, and, like, that is an, well, an the essential background. They have, yeah. right? Our backdrop.
0: Yes. Um. These last uh, uh, easy a uh, prince of Egypt yeah I just haven't seen that one recently um, the last two are movies that I just I think are fine and and all that but um, don't don't love them but they're worth being on the list to some degree uh, twelve years a slave there will be blood yeah that was the last one I had all right my last one I is... I don't like that movie that much <laughs> I
1: like it a lot it's my second favorite PTA um, my last one is Prometheus
0: I thought about Prometheus that's my too. my yeah.
1: my top uh, honorable mention that. I wrote it down last, but it should be the first one. Like it's number six.
0: Yeah, I really like Prometheus um, as well. I know we're like the two yeah. that are like champions. <laughs> the really Scott movies, um, right? The other, the other ones that I have on my watch list that are why they haven't be... I've have never seen the Ten Commandments, um, or Ben Her or Ben-Hur's Doubt, good. or Ladybird. Lady Bird.
1: You have never seen Lady? No. I mean, Lady Bird is not very spiritual, to be fair. I
0: I, I it just takes know place in a
1: Catholic school, but. Or like she right, goes to a Catholic school, but
0: So so that's why it's also like it could be on this list. And again, as we were talking about faith based movies, like that's where it kinda got but I just thought, you know, at some point some sort of religion has to play a prominent role in some degree of the film is just kind of the way I chose to define it. Yeah.
1: I mean it's great. I, I, don't love know if
0: that, I don't know if that is Lady Bird, but I think people would consider it.
1: Yes and no. But
0: yeah. Cool. Good to know from an outsider's perspective.
1: You should watch it either way.
0: I want to. It's just not high on the list right now. So um, okay, that just leaves us with the spinoff. So, um, so lots of movies there, varying degrees. You know, we got stuff like Silence, which is all about spirituality, and then Easy A, which just has a side character that's a religious nut. So, um, <laughs> but enough that we we had it on the on the B E C. So I thought, like when we did Judeo Christian, I figured that was good enough. It's an honorable mention, but uh, just leaves us with the spinoff. Robert, what's that one thing that you're really trying to tell everybody to check out or stay away from?
1: All right, so I pr- this is going to sound like an ad, but I promise it's not an ad. Um, I really. I I watch a lot of YouTube sometimes and I started watching a lot of college humor videos, Um, Mm -hmm. specifically like the the last cast before college humor kind of got disbanded because of all the stupid corporate stuff that goes on with a lot of YouTube channels. Um, Mm -hmm. But most of that cast has moved to a new streaming or not new. I don't know how new it is, honestly. They've moved to a streaming service called Dropout and uh, I subscribe to Dropout and my wife and I have been watching. They do a show called game changer where they do a their version of a game show and it's a different show every like a different type of game show every week. And we have a lot of fun just because we think the cast is so hilarious on their own that we'll watch them play any one of these games. Um, I like some of the other stuff they do too, like uh, breaking news where they have fake uh, news stories where someone writes them and tries to make the, the anchors laugh. Um, and the whole point is to not break. And yeah, there's just a lot of great stuff on there and yeah, that go go to dropout if you're or there's some of the episodes are free on youtube so watch them on youtube first and if you're interested there's a lot more great stuff on dropout and i think it's been worth my five dollars for the for the one month that i've had it so far
0: so dropout is like a subscription-based app
1: yeah it's just like hbo netflix anything
0: you said channel and I was thinking like it was a YouTube, oh, just a new no. YouTube channel. If I said uh, channel, it
1: was a, it was an accent.
0: Well, yeah, but it still is a channel then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make sure like it was clear for people how they could check it yeah, out.
1: Yeah, it's a subscription service, just not with the, you know, it doesn't have movies or TV. It has their own types of stuff
0: uh i'm gonna talk about fantastic beasts secrets of dumbledore here um only because i i kind of have promised an episode after we did the Harry the wizarding world universe up till now um and then i didn't get around to seeing it until like the weekend and then like nash i don't know has seen it yet just because nash and alice were on i was like you guys can come back to do that and nash had not gotten a chance to see it because it's a long movie that none of us were really excited to see mm-hmm. um, and then schedules and all that. Um, so, so he hasn't gotten a chance to see it and Alice has, but she's a pretty busy person right now. And she has a review on Sif Pop and Sif Pop.com. So you can hear her thoughts on that. I didn't like the movie. Um, it really feels like they just need to, to stop it here. It kind of feels like they had a chance to just wrap everything up in a decent bow um, and for some reason, they're still going to try to make number four and five. I mean, I guess I don't know. The box office. The box office really has been bad.
1: terrible. Like it's been like we'll forty-three million. It's been out for two weeks now.
0: Right, and with next to no competition. Yeah. um,
1: Two hundred million budget.
0: Right. So I hope that I hope they just take that as a sign to say we're just going to stop, but it just feels like it feels like they were trying to do too much damage control and um and it, it, that's fine. Like do your damage control and then wrap up like there's no reason they couldn't have just wrapped up that story with the way that the third film ends. Like they tie up most of the loose ends and it's like why would you still go and everything is abrupt yes, but you know and all that and it's like I it, it still would have landed the most on it's just okay, but um no, it's it's not it's not entertaining, and it's it just feels like a boring part two to a bad part one, um, or it feels like it's trying to save it to save the franchise as opposed to just moving on. And it's it's just not worth your time. No. Uh, definitely not worth your money. Um, it it just feels like if you were to show if you were to tell somebody about the Harry the Wizarding World, you just leave Fantastic Beasts completely out of it, and you would say just watch the Harry Potter movies because um, the first Fantastic Beasts movie is enjoyable. Um, fine, and then you have these two so i would i
1: thought this one was just, even worse than the second one like
0: I, i'm not there but the second one seemed I like it had a voice
1: that. or like a something it wanted to say this one like you said not quite rise of skywalker levels of damage control but it just seemed like we're going to play it completely safe and it
0: this one yeah this one wanted to say so dull this one wanted to say forget about crime's grindlewald yeah yeah um yeah i'm not quite there but it's just if you if you're interested in getting into the wizarding world just just don't ever bother with these um and definitely if they make a fourth one don't see it <laughs> let's 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 put our money where our mouth is let's put our mouth where our money is i guess um no it's money where our mouth is Capitalism. But... i don't know let's let's not fund let's not go Just to the don't box watch office. the movie <laughs> let's let's not let's not buy it or rent it let's not put any more money towards it so they can't they physically cannot justify making a fourth one. Uh, Unless J.K.
1: Rowling bankrolls it herself.
0: I mean, at least at least the good news is if they made a fourth one, they have essentially a clean slate to start with, so they could you know, they, they wouldn't necessarily be tied to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, they wouldn't have to. They didn't put themselves in the corners. Anyway. Uh, well, everyone in the
1: cast and the writers are cancelled. <laughs> like, like <laughs> Ezra true. Miller is getting, getting worse. Anyway, I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, it just feels... Like a mess. Um, I did. I did like Mads Mickelson in the role. I guess that's the.
1: Yeah, he's good. I like that. He was fine. He gave, gave, was given nothing to do. Absolutely nothing.
0: And he was playing Mads Mickelson, yeah. um, which is enjoyable.
1: The only time I haven't seen the hunt, but his best performance to me has been another round by far.
0: Uh, he's yeah. I mean, the hunt is is his best. Yeah. But yes, another round. He's also incredible. Well, on that note, that's a wrap. Uh, you remember, you can follow Robert at the provided places um, that we mentioned earlier, to so Twitter, and you can check out his other places from Twitter. Uh, I'll also have his Twitter handle in the show description. You can follow me on Letterboxd or Twitter at SchweitCastle. Remember that Pop Rides room is part of the Studio DNA network. You can check out other great shows at StudioDNA.media. And if you're interested in writing for SifPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, send us a question to explore it on the b plot That would be awesome. Uh, then you can email writersroom at SifPop.com. And please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes if you're listening there. On next week, um, we'll be visiting uh, a nostalgia-based episode with Rowan and May coming back on the show. Uh, well, no, Rowan for first time other than the Batman review in May. Um, Terminator and Back to the Future is what we're going with. Um, so not your traditional sure. nostalgia ones, but our... Um, for them and that's the, always the fun of this so there's that yep so 80s time travel yep. is what we're going with uh, and uh, and then next month Robert and I will be talking about Come and See uh, so there's that Robert uh, thanks for hanging out and getting to talk about Last Temptation with me um, I, I think it went well
1: I think so too I was I think it was a very productive conversation I'm glad we had it
0: me too and I, I hope it comes across well I think it uh, does. to the people listening Me too. we
1: didn't lambast the haters so which we could have done
0: yeah, nor, nor did we say anything, I think, outlandish. No. Um, I don't know. It's, especially at least for me, like, my, my job <laughs> kind of depends yeah. on some of the things that I say. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I mean, luckily I'm quitting my job. Uh, <laughs> That's
1: all that matters anyway. Uh, uh, thanks for hanging us. out,
0: Robert. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll see you next month. Yeah,
1: back to the writer's room. That's where you got to go. <laughs>